history. We shall never surrender. Politics. Where there is discord, may we bring harmony. Current affairs. Going to Pizza Express in Woking is an unusual thing for me to do. Conspiracies. And not what your country can do for you. Will stop from coming after us. I just received a beautiful letter from Kim Jong-un. It concludes that Iraq has chemical and biological weapons. I'm not guilty of anyone. Well, I'm not a crook. This is the Political Dark Side Podcast. And now, here's your host, Matthew Howland. If you only knew the power of the dark side... Oh, wow, we're actually live. What a time to be alive. We did. Uh, Johnny will be joining us shortly. So in the meantime, welcome to episode 20 of the Political Dark Side podcast. Uh, To commemorate reaching episode 20, I thought I would do something a little bit different by going live for the very first time with guests spanning multiple time zones just to make it as complicated as possible (laughs) for me. Uh, so, so this will be titled The Christmas Cocktails Conspiracy Party. Uh, Christmas, because of course it is that time of year. Cocktails, because who doesn't love cocktails? And also I have an exhilarating challenge for my guests. Uh, conspiracy, because that's probably the main interest we all seem to have in common. And hopefully there'll be a party atmosphere until we're all sad drunks talking about the dystopian future. So that's good, isn't it? Um, just to introduce everyone, I'm Matthew, your usual host from Scotland. Joining me late from Poland uh, on the front line of Putin's war in Ukraine, we have Parallel Mike. How are you coping, buddy? I'm doing well. I'm over here in my bunker in the forest. All is well. We've got plenty of supplies. We've got plenty of homemade apple cider. So we're good to go. That's a relief. Good. (laughs) Day drinking live from Los Angeles. We have Monica Perez. I believe this is the first of several live cocktail-related shows you're doing in the next few days. So are you taking it easier or is this full steam ahead? Uh, No, I have actually a whole series of cocktails planned just for this this show. So we're we're going to talk about the front lines. It, It takes a lot of cocktails to live in L.A. I'll bet. I dread to think. <laughs> I, I nearly instantly blasphemed there, and then I remembered what you'd uh, what you'd said on that that other show you were on, and I'm like, oh, better bite my tongue. Oh yeah, no, we don't. Uh, ta- I absolutely will use any form of vulgarity, but I will not take the Lord's name in vain. And my mother, who's buried two children, her like one consolation is like, at least my kids don't take the Lord's name in vain. So I stick with that. <laughs> Yeah, that's fair enough. That makes sense. I was just uh, looking in the uh, the the, uh, the studio. Then we were just joined by Jordan Peterson. I just had to second guess myself. Oh my god! <laughs> I was like, "Oh, good, it's not the actual Jordan Peterson." Matt, you're the man. Well, that would have. I know. I'll be like, "How is he? Uh, how did I manage to score that?" But you know, there we go. Um, so you know what? I'm going to add Jordan Peterson, who is not, of course, Jordan Peterson. Two seconds. <clears throat> Hello, Jordan Ooh. Peterson. 
Oh, William. Jordan. Oh, sorry. I, I, yes, I'm William from England. I'm not Jordan Peterson. <laughs> Thanks hey. for clearing that up. So can you tell us, uh, tell us about your podcast, William? Okay. Yes. I'm William from England. Uh, showbiz name from, uh, History Homo's podcast. Uh, and, uh, we are great. Well, uh, Monica is our benefactress and, uh, we thank you. Thank her for introducing us to you and your audience. Uh, but yeah, we, we're, um, we're kind of a black pilled doomer humor. I mean, I don't want to say the other adjectives that apply to our, our podcast on YouTube, but you know, we're that. And, uh, yeah, we like to have fun and, uh, learn about history. Excellent. Yeah, well, if we could uh, refrain from getting me chucked off YouTube, that would be phenomenal. I would try my absolute best. <laughs> my name alone would actually, I think, might tip the scales. I'm sorry to say. I think I'm yeah. one of those people that, like, you'll get a strike just live, not so bad. But if you were to upload, mm-hmm. I think, I don't know. Sorry. It seems Never apologize, right. Monica. <laughs> for blowing up people's <laughs> access to their... Their podcast, yeah, I'm sorry about that. Not yeah, I saw that, uh, that my last podcast appearance I did on StreamYard, apparently I did pretend to be Jordan Peterson, and I, I saw it there. Oh. And I thought, should I change it? And I thought, no, it's pretty funny, isn't it? I can do the I, – I have my own particular way of doing Jordan Peterson's voice. But I, can't, I don't know if I can do it without saying something that will get you kicked off YouTube on, on reflection. So let's move on from that. Is it too early for you to have a cocktail? Are you cocktailing, William? I've just got back from the pub. Oh, okay, great. You and your and I do. I do have a cocktail. All right, great. Here it is. What is it's it? The, it's the English gentleman's cocktail. It's a whiskey and soda. Oh, I see. Wow, that's very dignified. Very posh. So, Does your yeah. mustache like it? My mustache loves it. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to extra bushy I'm go- because, uh, well, I just got measured for a, a tweed suit to go with the purple silk suit that you wore the last time I saw you. Yeah, it's kind of on the same lines. It's good. It's going to have a burnt orange lining. Nice. You know, I like a lining. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, it, Possibly the mullet might go as a consequence yeah, of the. That of would the be suit. great. <laughs> I did want to tell you guys about my cocktail, which if you've got, he's got an English gentleman's cocktail. I have an English breakfast cocktail. Are you guys familiar with this? Is this something new? Did I have to bring this to English? It's got bacon and eggs in it. It's got a fried <laughs> no, egg like, floating on the top. Of it. Blood pudding, like coagulated pig's blood floating around in it. Nice. No, no, not today. <laughs> But you I'd like to try that cocktail. Yeah, tell what us all it? about it. It's so I was in England recently. I'm sorry, guys. I was there for like three days, so I couldn't do meetup. But I had um, some time before the pubs open, and I was like, "There's no, you can't go to a pub before 11 a.m. and it doesn't seem like there's Bloody Marys too big there." So I found the English breakfast cocktail, which is gin, uh, Saint Germain, which is elderflower. And a little bit of lemon juice and uh, English breakfast tea, a little black tea. Oh, so right. Okay. Up and down at the same time. And it's really nice. delicious. I was wow. 
Yeah, really delicious. I have to get the recipe for that off you, mm-hmm. Monica, because I'm a big tea just, enjoyer. I just posted it in the chat of this YouTube video. It was the very first thing posted, potentially. Maybe it went away. I'll repost it. Okay, I put I'm it sorry, on my, just, my cocktail blog, monicamixes.com. I've literally just arrived. I'm sorry. There you go. So, uh, William. Yeah, I, I, was, I was. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, I asked you uh, to, if you could judge our cocktail competition. Are you a connoisseur okay. of cocktails? I mean, given that you're from the People's Republic of Yorkshire, where uh, yeah. pouring a tin of lager into a glass is considered a cocktail, do you think you're <laughs> qualified to do this job? I'm a cocktail enjoyer. Uh, I've appeared on our show, History Homos. Uh, Drinking a whiskey sour, Monica's recipe, by the way, which I would say is the ultimate breakfast cocktail because it contains eggs and uh, also a margarita just to annoy my co-host Scott because he hates anything effete. (laughs) A margarita (laughs) is effete? Kind of, yeah, because it's like fancy foreign muck, isn't it? I wrote a blog post about my first time drinking a Texas style margarita, which is basically a glass of tequila with a lime squeezed in it and some sugar, like some granulated sugar. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Yeah, it tastes like a drink, but it's really just straight tequila. And you can, and they serve it in red plastic sixteen ounce cups. Mm -hmm. The first time I did this, I, I lived in an apartment. It was like a two story house. And the pool in the back was shaped like the state of Texas. And it had little mosaics on the bottom that were like <laughs> Houston. It was like the rocket, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. taking off into space, all that kind of stuff. And I guess I spilled one on myself. I went upstairs to my bathroom to wash it in the sink, not realizing that the light inside, you know, which is dark outside. So uh-huh. everyone at the party could see me changing my shirt and then I just left the shirt in the sink with the water running until like the people downstairs were like, there's water pouring down my ceiling. And it's like, Oh man, like, I don't think the Texas margarita is a feat. Yeah. It doesn't sound like the Texas margarita was the first <laughs> drink of the evening from that anecdote. <laughs> well, in the 16 ounce glasses, like all it had to be was the first and second. Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was anyway. Then I had to learn how to drink like a Texan. Yeah. I mean, Drinking's great. It's one of the few sort of, uh, I don't let's say Western culture, Western cultural norms that hasn't been destroyed yet by whatever it is that destroys norms. I couldn't possibly comment on YouTube. It's also a sport that we're very good at. Yeah. Unlike, unlike football, for example. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you told me, Matthew, you live in Scotland. Yes, um, the Scots are particularly well versed in drinking. Yeah, home of getting drunk. Well, yeah, literally. Yeah. <laughs> Drink us under the table. Yeah, I love Scotland. Scotland's a beautiful country, but I feel like um, Scotland's a bit like France in that it's a fantastic country with a rich culture and a wonderful people that has just allowed itself to be got rid of basically like it's in the process of being deleted from history yeah the smp are doing the 
finest words. Yeah, and that's <laughs> the ultimate yeah. irony is it's a supposedly nationalist party that's doing that. That like, and so like, if you're if you're an English nationalist, which I'm not, by the way, I don't care. I don't care that for the nation of England, but. Like, if you're an English nationalist, you're a racist. But if you're a Scottish nationalist, you're a good whatever it is that you're supposed to be. You know, it's crazy, isn't it? Scotland's gone it, mad. It is a very strange um, form of nationalism, but it, in, in as much as it, uh, it seems to be set up to kill itself, like you said, because as soon as independence happens, if it happens, they'll go straight back to the EU and then it'll all be for now yeah, I mean, anyway. So it's, <laughs> what's the point? Who, who would have thought that you could have invented a form of nationalism more self-hating than English nationalism? It's like unbelievable. I'm like, wondering. Sorry, is Scotland sorry, like Canada, yeah. where there's like an entire country north of? I'm going to say the main country. <laughs> it's a totally. It's a yeah. It's that's why I do Jordan Peterson in a in a Scottish accent. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I'm trying kind to do. Kind of. I mean, like, it, I basically, I'm trying to do Scottish Kermit when I do Jordan Peterson because trying. there's something to that analogy. I think Canada's actually probably less you know what it than um, Scotland is because there, Scotland has got a remnant of white working class sort of people who don't care what they say. Uh, whereas I'm not, I, I think Canada has as well, but I'm not, I don't know which one. And I think Monarch. that those guys are a majority in both of those countries, but they're just not, they're, they're clued up enough to know that it doesn't matter what they say, so they don't bother saying anything. Monica, did you mean that as if to say like uh, Canada's just a, an extra state in America? State. I just remember growing up as a kid, I grew up in New York and there's like Buffalo, Buffalo, New York is way above where I grew up and it's always snowing or it's like for six months straight, it's snowing, you know, so you, everybody knows somebody like people will be like, Oh, I'm from Buffalo. I was like, wow, you're from Buffalo. Wow. And then one time I realized it was like, holy shit, there is an entire country north of Buffalo and entire every single person yeah. from Canada is like north of Buffalo. And I just couldn't, I, I can't, well, the, I can't understand how that exists. The only reason it could exist is if factories ran so hot that you couldn't build them any place that wasn't absolutely freezing before well, air conditioning, you in know, which case it should stop existing. Alberta is the only place on earth that doesn't have rats because it's so cold that they can't survive out, well, outdoors. That's enough to move there. Yeah. And they, they have <laughs> these they have these draconian, but that that sounds good not having rats, doesn't it? But I mean, how much of a nuisance are rats really compared to living under draconian laws? Because in Alberta, they have these the Alberta, which is supposedly a bastion of freedom in Canada. You're not allowed to have a pet rat. I mean, wow, really? But no, it's you... the one place you should be because there's absolutely no chance of infestation. Yeah, there is a chance of infestation because if they get inside, if you find a rat in your house, oh, okay. and you don't, or evidence of rats in your house, and you don't <laughs> report it to the Stasi, you go to jail. 
they'll they'll demolish your house. Okay. Let me compare that with California. The last time yeah. I lived in California I had skunks under my house. Skunks, yeah. a family of skunks. And I had fleas coming up my wood floor of my nice new house. And I called animal control and they said they're protected. Yeah, they do that with fucking skunks. We're protected, so I just had to kill them. I was like, "You can come get them if you want," but I'm killing them. She's like, "Your house will smell." It's like my house already smells. Well, they have, you know, in England, uh, in Britain, I believe. I think this applies to Scotland and Wales and uh, Northern Ireland as well. But certainly in England, every tree has what is called a tree protection order on it. So if you want to do any development on your land, the first thing you have to do is send a. But obviously, it's like one of these overambitious, ridiculous status rules that they—they uh, they don't know where all the trees are. They've declared that they're all a protected species, but they don't know where they are. Same as the skunks. Uh, and uh, so you have to the first stage of your development application to the council. Oi, mate! Have you got a license for that building? <laughs> Your first stage of that is to is to su- supply them with a plan of the of the land with every tree that exists on that land marked on it, so that they can protect it. So I had a I used to run a business and we acquired some land and uh, wanted to develop it. I had to submit such a plan, and do you know what happened, Monica <laughs> or Matthew? <laughs> No. What happened was this. The gypsies came and stole all the trees the night before I did the plan. Oh, wow. Those bastards. What a bit of bad luck that was. When I, when I went out with my pen and, and pen, my pencil and paper to draw out on the There were just the bloody stumps. They'd all gone. Yeah. That's they were all stacked neatly in somebody's woodshed. So they can't be tagged in the blockchain? Aren't yeah, exactly, they getting tagged yeah. in the blockchain? Isn't that the next step? Matt, do you listen to Ian Davis? Do you know who Ian Davis says he's like a colleague I've of seen, um I've seen him speaking to you uh, yeah. once or twice. But he also contributes to Unlimited Hangout. So I'm sure Johnny and he are colleagues virtually in any case. But he, the next show I want to do with him is about, and I think the Ice Age Farmer talks about this, Allison McDowell talks about this, that they want to put like every living thing, even like, you know, the tomato you take out of the grocery, which already has like a little barcode, it would have, is on the blockchain. Every single thing is yeah, in well, they had that surveillance. I was in like food manufacturing and the, they had, uh, everything had to be traceable. And it, like with hindsight, you can see that's what it's about. And they said it was because of disease, right? Which is a great. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Did you see that clip of uh, Benjamin Netanyahu going around today where he, he admitted to Israel being the uh, COVID lab for Pfizer? No Isn't way. There a two minute clip where he just says, yeah, well, we, we agreed to let them build the database and see what would happen with the reactions and everything. It's incredible. So they're a pathocracy too. I thought that they were one of the few countries that actually governed their own people, like as if they had were I, I fulfilling bad, the mandate. Huh? I won't hear a bad word against Israel. <laughs> let me tell you that. I've, I've seen you've had Ryan Dawson on a couple of times, and I was just oh like, ah, okay. Yeah. See, because you've got Scott, your beard. You can say whatever you want. Scott's the worst. 
Scott's well, in power. That's why I'm going to learn about the Vatican. So I can talk smack yeah. all day long about the Black Pope and the Jesuits, and nobody can call me anti-Catholic. Not that anti-Catholic is something anyone would ever call but, you. <laughs> Scott is no longer a Scott is no longer a beard because he's now denies being a member of that group. Has he converted, or is he just? No, he hasn't converted. He's just disowned it completely. So it's kind of like the way you assume the history yeah, so homo now- identity. Now you're the history Gentiles. <laughs> Pretty much. I, I mean, I don't know how it's going to work out. I, I think it's bad for the show, but, you know, the guy's got his own identity. It's it's only his own business. I've never said anything to him about it. Interesting. Well, he should keep the beard if he wants to <laughs> continue to speak the way he does. I'm worse than him now, to be honest. There was one story in the news today I wanted to get y'all's opinion on. Did you see this thing about the woman who went to Radio City? Like, there's a big Christmas show at Radio City Music Hall in the city of New York. I used to go to it as a kid, the Rockettes, like, na 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 And she brought her Girl Scout troop there. She's a, you know, cub mom or whatever. And as she went through security, they took her, they told her that they could tell by her face who she was and that she worked at a law firm. She wasn't even a lawyer, a law firm that has a case pending against radio city. And she was not allowed to enter the building. So she had to send the little girls in to watch the show and she had to sit outside. And they're saying that's totally justifiable. She said they knew her name and everything before they asked her her name, which happened to me when I was coming back from England, they, the passport control asked me my name before they saw my passport. Mm Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, and my kids too, my kids. So anyway, but they escorted her out because her facial recognition said that she was involved in a lawsuit against Radio City. Sorry, guys, just uh, jumping in. Uh, Is everything working at my end again? Yeah, you said great. (laughs) You can just come and go. We're going to. My location now, but I'm also on my second beer, so we'll see how it goes. (laughs) I told you, don't start early. I know. <laughs> Rookie. I'm new round here. Should, may I call you Parallel or shall I call you Mr. Mike? <laughs> you can call me P Mike if you like. <laughs> yeah, nice to meet you, Jordan. I'm a huge fan. You've changed a lot for yeah. me over the years. Thank you. Thank you. Oh. I interviewed the naked gardener the other day and I was like, do I call you naked? Are you, yeah. you naked? Oh, I'm a huge fan of uh, OBDM. He's awesome. Yeah, Midnight Mid- Mike. He was on the show. Oh, with yeah, yeah. Anyway. We, are, we I, I mean, if you, I, I don't want to steal your listeners or anything, but they might enjoy our show. And uh, we <laughs> regularly have uh, a mutual friend of uh, ours and Monica's on uh, the great legal man. Oh and, yeah, uh, he's humorous. For we sure. we always address him as Mister Man. <laughs> <laughs> Mister Man. I reckon there's a good chance Johnny's burned his milk by now. Yeah. <laughs> There was, is he where, does he have, did he have to tend to kids? Did I misread that? Yeah, I think uh, his partner was picking them up or something. Not sure. I left <laughs> my they... kids with a, with, with a couple that I'm friendly with in the pub. <laughs> <laughs> but that worked oh out God. well for David Cameron, didn't it? So why not? I don't know. I don't follow him. Oh, yeah, I not so much Megan McCann. Yeah. Oh. I, really, I, I haven't watched the news since 2016. Really? No, I just don't. The, everything that um, I know about from current events is kind of filtered to me through 
a combination of t.me slash history homos chat, which is our telegram chat, and which is full of like, um, a lot of flatter. Uh, I mean, they can't listen. They're like me on that issue. They like flat earth. They yes. think it's, they think it's amusing and they like flat earth people, but yes. they're not flat earth people. Yes. That's the MAGA, my feeling about MAGA. Yeah, Trump exactly. Like, there's no point arguing. <laughs> yeah, there's no point arguing with them. They're great people. Flat Earth people. Totally. Rule. They're the but, freest thinkers. So, with the point where I was warned once, like, watch how open your mind is, Monica, because your brain will just fall out. Yeah, but I'm not yeah. saying that about flat earthers. I just feel like they're very open minded, and that's. Yeah, I'd much I, rather have a flat earther than, uh, you know, a vax. Yeah, the Nazi. 11th, <laughs> yeah. 11th booster guy. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. I heard an ad on the, on the radio, Fox News the other day. If it's been more than 60 days since your last shot. Yeah. I was like, 60 days. If you're getting like six a year. I, how can that, is there any room for your own DNA? The great really? thing is that the, that, that shows <laughs> that they've completely given up on people like us because like. Yes. There's no, I don't have to go and get my first injection, my second injection, and then my first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth boosters. <laughs> I just have to get the latest booster, and then I'm up to date. All that, 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 this is the really sad, and the one thing that I've never, I generally, you know, I like to think I'm a good guy, but I, I have been known to kind of take, satisfaction in people being wrong but i don't about this this is so sad because the people yes. who are re were really into it are the people who've been hit hardest yeah and like so in england as you know matthew i don't know about you mr mike whether you were um <laughs> With the parallel or to you, <laughs> <laughs> parallel just when they're on a first name basis. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know if it's uh, you know, but I mean, I've got people who are dear to me who got jabbed so that they could go out to nightclubs, and it never made any difference on whether or not they could go out to nightclubs, but they did it anyway. It's like they got nothing for it. Nothing. They had this massive, uh, kind of just, it was the definition of a psyop to make them think that they had to do that to get a benefit. And they never got a benefit. Nobody got to go. The only thing you got, did get was get to be able to go to the USA, as it turns out. But I can go anywhere now except the USA without even Still? taking a test. You can't come to the U.S. without no, no foreigners without a jab. That's no, so messed still, up because I'm. Banned. Who are they protecting me against? How are they protecting my neighbor from me? They're protecting Pfizer against market conditions. That's what they're protecting. <laughs> yeah. So we've got good news. Oh. Johnny is sitting here in the studio. So let's oh, bring wow. him in. Away. How does five so, work? Let's see. Oh, can you say that stuff that I just said on YouTube now? Ah, uh, probably. <laughs> Live is a little easier. Yeah, sorry about so, that. Oh, there you go. Is <laughs> live, from, live from Chile with Klaus Schwab's unofficial biographer. And the man Jeremy Vine likes to DM for some reason. It's yeah. Cool. 
Woo! Jeremy Vine's best friend! Yeah! I'm genuinely Tell me about that to see you still alive. Brick. Yeah, no, I know, I know, ain't it so, ain't it so? Hello, I, I bought my, have you showed off your cocktails yet? I, I've oh, missed no, out. Not yet. Oh, right, okay, I'll put mine I'm away, but you. it's getting cold, you know, so uh, I'll just put it over there. Uh, yeah, 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 everything went wrong. I, as soon, literally, as soon as Whitney was going to pick up the, the kids, the internet went off, and it's her phone that has the best internet, so I was just waiting on the gods of the internet. Oh, the guns of the oh my god! Fuck him down. <laughs> Is it time for me to go get my cocktail of the of the hour? Like that was just my prelim. Should I go get the real one? Yeah, but I think we should just admire the way Johnny's through. That is perfect. He needs to yeah. save that could... as his placeholder picture. You go get your drink, Monica, and I'll I'll okay. I'll provide the blather. You. <laughs> Okay. When you come back, I've got to go and okay. see a man about a dog. I was wow. going to ask you, uh, William, what do you look for in a Klaus Schwab cocktail? What will you a be Klaus looking for? Klaus Schwab cocktail? Well, he's kind of like, um, I don't know, he's, a, he's, got, he's got to be a dry martini, isn't it, really? Because he's he's the Bond villain. And I reckon, I mean, he literally dresses as a Bond villain. And I hate the James Bond films, by the way. The only my favorite Bond is um, Roger Moore because he treated it with absolutely no respect whatsoever. He just went, yeah, "I'm Roger Moore. I'm going to just be funny and make people like me." And it, it was great. Even Sean Sean Connery, you could say, from the author's point of view, did a better job of portraying the character than than anybody else, and I get that. But the, my point is character was shit uh, Roger Moore did it real justice by playing it like an idiot but if you want a, a like a Cold War spy hero, it's Harry Brown I, I do enjoy those movies, they're good, the Michael Caine things, yeah, excellent aren't they? yeah I've only Very just realised that they made the, that they used that name for that sort of uh, recent movie of his that was also very good about being a ex something or other living in London as shit as it is now. Oh, the one where the old bloke batters the Neds? Yeah, that's, that's the Plan B with Plan B in it. In it. Is that yeah. Plan B? That's what Americans call the morning after pill, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, they do. Um, am I, am I really Plan C? Because Plan B is Greek style. <laughs> I, I don't know what that means, but it's probably involving <laughs> yogurt. It's got to be involving yogurt of some sort. What? Just throw a yogurt in the, the yogurt truck? <laughs> it's basically it does involve yogurt. It's, it, you have to park the yogurt truck around the back. <laughs> That's a euphemism, if I've ever heard one. Yeah. yeah. How's it going then? Good Lord. You're a, you need to see the way you froze a minute ago. It was perfect. Yeah, I bet. I bet it was probably as I was screaming at the internet gods, yeah? <laughs> yeah. And then, and then internet gods smote me, smote me good. <laughs> uh, my, my, no, my, I, man, I, it couldn't be any perfect. I've, I've been on the internet talking with people all day, 
not one problem. Just literally, I sit down here, I press a button, and it all goes off. That's the way it works. It's Christmas. It's, it's, we're relying on uh, Disney movies at Christmas, I'm sure most parents are. So uh, there, there better be good internet, that's all I can say. How's it going, gang? All good, yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, you know. I, what did I miss? How's what your drink internet over there in Chile, Johnny? Do you manage to get good signals out there? Because over here in Poland, it's shit. Yeah, yeah, fifty-fifty. It's uh, it's a bit hard. It's uh, Chile is a big country, and they've I think they've got to irradiate masses of it if they want good internet signal or, or telephone signal. But it's like all of the places. It seems like uh, it's indistinguishable from magic for me. It's like you know. They, they, you can talk with people. I can talk with people online. I'm in the middle of Chile somewhere. It's just crazy. So whatever internet we get is pretty good by me. It's like, uh, but we're going to a new, we're moving to a new place soon, and that'll be a little bit of a tester. I think. I think we may have to invest in some sort of weird satellite internet if we want internet where we're going. I think that's where we're going over here. We're on to the uh, gadget stage. Satellites outside the house. Yeah, 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 yeah. Elon's yeah, got you covered with the satellites, though. Oh. Yeah, we've got really dark skies, and I get to see his uh, hot air balloons going across all the time. So They take off in front of my house. Like, <laughs> you see the rockets. Balloons. That's how I know that the Earth is a globe, because you see it pull away. <laughs> like, Are you sure about that? that? <laughs> I, you know, I'm sure about it. I was like, there already. Years. <laughs> but I'm open. No, I I love I love the flat earth. I think the flat earth thing is a metaphor for people who don't move from the internet to the metaverse. Yeah, maybe, I maybe. Think that's the I met a type they're trying to create. I met a crazy flat earther who I knew for a while who was just one of the most weirdest men. He was a drug dealer who was both wonderful and terrible. Um, and he was Mexican and he was living in Wales. And uh, he was telling me all of these wonderful stories about how he moved across uh, the, the world moving drugs around. And he seemed like he was le- legit. I mean, he was le- legit, had lots of experience, came from this weird rich family and stuff. Um, but he completely and utterly believed the world was flat there was no like pushing him on that he was sure about it he says i seen things man i've seen things i know the earth is flat i've seen it for myself and uh you know it's always the excuse go go try going up to the north pole and seeing if you get that far <laughs> you know all right i'll do it now but a world traveler he should he should know like if you go around i would tr- i took a plane like from new york to indonesia through Frankfurt, and then I went home via Japan. Like in what, it was like very clear that I was going in the same direction. I ended up where I started, but mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. I know that sounds very. I, I like I'm a Fed. <laughs> <laughs> a globe, Listen, a globe Earther. Flat Earth. I've said this before on this show five minutes ago. But flat earth people are the best people in the world and I love them and I don't want to contradict them at all. But I studied navigation when I was a kid. Like, you, it's, they've had to totally retcon everything that's observable in real life to make the earth seem flat. And like, you show me a flat droplet of water, you know, it's like, it's, it's just, 
See, but you're a chemtrail denier, so you lose a little credibility on that. <laughs> well, we got a chemtrail denier. Yeah, this is a type of place where those people are uh, <laughs> ludicrous. You're ludicrous, and you amusing people. <laughs> Simple, I'd say. Listen, I don't deny that they're spraying us with stuff by any means, but what I do deny is that commercial aircraft are doing it because. I used to refuel the fucking things, and there's no way to put anything in them. Yeah, 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 yeah. For it to come out of them. Yeah, but I think there's repurposed uh, com- ex-commercial airlines that may be yeah, used maybe. for such jobs. Uh, that, that, that's the only thing I would put forward. Oh, I, I'm going to... I have a conversation to finish up with Monica about this as well. I Because I sent Monica a, a still from the Italian job where, you know, when the bus is dangling over the cliff, there's a contrail... So it's like, what is it, 1968 or something that came out? 69. Yeah. My favourite movie. Dinner for two. Really? <laughs> you can see him rubbing his nipple as he says that. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great movie. I, never- I, I, I honestly think... Right, okay, I'm going to diverge here. Michael Caine is the English Clint Eastwood. Because... The, and I'm, I'm saying this because the... Obviously, he's not a movie producer like Clint is. Clint is... Is better than Michael Caine, okay? But I'm saying culturally, Michael Caine is the English Clint Eastwood because he embodies that no-nonsense English uh, sort of characteristic that is they're trying so hard to stamp out in the same way that Clint Eastwood does the American uh, equivalent. Right? He is that that. Har- it is Harry Brown, isn't it? The guy in the spy movies. That guy, the guy in Zulu. Every character he plays is that working class English guy. Quintessential. Yeah, he takes no shit. It, it, he's funny. Like, he doesn't care whether he lives or dies. He's like, whatever. My name is Mark Harry Palmer. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the point? <laughs> what's your point, William? Well, I was diverging on to. <laughs> I can I, I bridge to nowhere. You know, oh, I, I think I've got a contender that takes out Michael Caine. Though I always thought Ollie Reed was my man. Ollie Reed was the quintessential Brit. A bit too degenerate, though. Like, no. yeah, that's you know, a man that you could sit and have a good beer with. Sure. I don't yeah, think I could yeah. have a beer with Michael Caine. I think he'd kick I me would out of say, I would say Oliver Reed was the uh, analog for Marlon Brando, rather than Clint Eastwood. He's the, he's Ma- the guy that's going to have missionary sex with Richard Pryor. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> it turned out that Marlon Brando was, um, you know, that's like a conspiracy. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Listen, I call conspiracy on you. (laughs) Uh, Our latest episode at rockfin.com slash history homos is a detailed analysis of uh, Heart of Darkness by the great, the greatest ever English author, Paul Joseph Conrad. (laughs) Uh, And uh, yeah, I think that where when Marlon Brando's going, the horror, the horror. He's just, to, in order to be able to produce that performance, he just had to recollect that sunlit evening on a California beach with Richard Pryor. 
There's a lot to take in there. Yeah, that's staring, into, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> staring into each other's eyes, okay, grabbing okay, hold okay. of their black hair. Slow down. <laughs> does everyone have it, cocktails? Wait a minute! Is prior, <laughs> is, is prior on is prior on fire during this uh, dream sequence? No. It's oh, not okay, a dream. it really happened. They made yeah. they made sweet, sweet love to <laughs> Yeah, that's probably what set Prior on fire. I mean, that's <laughs> oh, a sort of hot love. Would do that sure. to her. Would do I mean, that like, to her, man. He probably enjoyed it at the time on a level, but you can see it. But when he's in some like thirtieth, it could be the callback, the the recollection of that incident that made him set himself on fire because those guys have. <laughs> values, don't they? That, that, those those guys from that particular group are on our side. This is why there's so much all this BLM stuff and that is is meant to oppose guys like us to guys like them. I mean, we're the same. Oh, guys. oh no, you're gonna like my you're gonna like my cocktail way too much. It's really racy. I mean, racist maybe. I don't know. One well, of the two. What takes boiling? No. What? Well, what? Well, wait, wait. Brown oppression. That's what takes boiled milk. Brown oppression. There you go. Uh, someone else should go first. <laughs> two, two seconds. Let me do a intro thing to the, the competition that I've uh, written out here. So I, f- I figured the, the major thing we all have in common is a, a belief in the grand conspiracy, which seems to be embodied by the World Economic Forum and its leader, Klaus Schwab. So the challenge I, I presented to you all was to uh, create a cocktail titled The Klaus Schwab, and I left the interpretation of that entirely up to you. So if everyone's ready, we'll, uh, Jordan Peterson there is going to judge them. So, <laughs> Mike, okay. do you want to go first? Go on, then I'll do it in character. Ready to go? Yeah, so I had nightmares about this uh, cocktail, as I told Matthew before the show. I had no idea what I was going to do. And last night I had a nightmare and Klaus Schwab appeared and he was, well, he was sat on a gold throne and there was all of the world leaders around him. And he looked like you expect him from the videos you saw him. But as soon as he stood up, I realized he was a midget. And I just, he was so tiny. And he started running away. He was trying, he was late for a fight or something. So I think that was the divine inspiration I needed for the cocktail. So I got some um, black baby walnut juice. Now, this is from my tree outside. And you can read into yeah. the baby. I had to sacrifice the walnut, actually. The sacrifice no, the baby I walnut. No, I love those. I call them There's fetal, no walnut trees fetal walnuts. They're Armenian. They're unbelievably delicious in Manhattan. Yeah. yeah, so we got a load of these things outside. So we sacrificed one of them and put it in 95% spirit. And that's uh, what we've got here. So then we pour it into some um, orange juice and... I think the reason why we chose the baby walnut is because it reminded me of some kind of sacrifice that child that Klaus Schwab might be into. <laughs> so we sacrifice it into the orange, and I've never drunk this, and my wife said that if I drink this on YouTube and then drink something fizzy afterward, it's going to blow my mind. So here we go. Well, it does count because you drop nuts into a fruit. <laughs> ah, not so there's mine. It's baby walnut, ninety-five percent spirit and orange juice. That is my Klaus Schwab cocktail. Is that going to make you blind? 
I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> 95%. And what about, does it taste like Christmas spices? Because those fetal walnuts taste like Christmas spices. Apparently, there's something called cloves in that. I'm not <laughs> You know, I, I was actually thinking about which animals on my farm I would have to sacrifice for this cocktail, but I'm glad it was just a walnut. It's not walnuts, it's just going to make Mr. Mike blind. Good Lord. <laughs> Johnny, do you want to go? I'm not sure I do now. Now that I see the competition, I think I might avoid it. No, no, no. I've, I'm, I'm part winging this. I've got an idea. I roughly know where I want to go. Okay. So this is my Klaus Schwab. I was gonna, I was gonna look for some form of like baby tomatoes, uh, along the same theme, but, uh, for, for that, I've gone with a cherry so that you got a cherry on there that represents, uh, the, the, the poor youngster who will be sacrificed to the uh, elites. Yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, down here is the brown suppression, which is mainly uh, chocolate, hot chocolate, of course. And it's on top, of course, is that white suppression, that marshmallowy white suppression that sits on top, that, oh, Aryan. Look at it. It's so Aryan. And across the top, it's got the virtuous brown people uh, and the colored stars of the rainbow flag of the LGBT community. And the, the, the reason why it's a Klaus Schwab is because it's got no alcohol in it. So it's a lie. It's all a one big lie. Well, Johnny, let me give you... I'm going to start giving feedback on these as we go along. Johnny, no! Oh, no! Oh, no! Oh, no! It's all gone wrong! You're basically disqualified. Because, <laughs> Stop although, it. Although, one of my favourite pop groups is Hot Chocolate, and I do believe in miracles. You're not going to win, because... That's got the, the fucking alcohol in it, brother. No, it does. It does. It's just, I'm telling you it doesn't, and you it might not. So, there you go. That's Klaus Schwab. That's his whole agenda. Everything they tell you is probably a lie. Oh, right. This is meta. You're mm -hmm. expecting me, Jordan Peterson, to understand... <laughs> Like humanity. Yeah. <laughs> is, that, is that really your Jordan Peterson voice? <laughs> is that, I did not know Jordan Peterson was from Aberdeen. <laughs> it's just a little bit off Donald and Davy Stott. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Okay. I failed. <laughs> <laughs> No, it was good. I enjoyed it. You've maybe been spending too much time in A in uh, South America, but it's fine. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, Monica, I know you wanted to go last. Yeah, you're going next. I'm going next, right. Okay, here we go. Two seconds. So, we have got this delicious mixture here. So... This is the Klaus Schwab cocktail. In here we have Jack Daniels uh, to represent American freedoms uh, that Klaus wants to take away. I couldn't find any evidence that Jack Daniels has gone woke or anything, so it seemed to be a good representation. <laughs> you could also, also say that Jack, uh, in such, the main ingredient being Jack Daniels, involves uh, the, the main support of American imperialism. Wow. 
maybe. <laughs> I'm just dying to try it, to be honest. Um, <laughs> it's mixed here with Advocar, which is made primarily of eggs, so that represents the idea of population control. As an egg is and it's also Dutch. It represents stealing farmland. <laughs> stealing farmland? <laughs> so obviously a uh, an egg is just an unsuccessful chicken, so hence the idea of population control. Um, I actually found out today that this is in itself already a cocktail called the Jack Torrance, uh, named after the <laughs> character in The Shining. Um, he was a psychopath, so is Klaus Schwab. That's perfect. Um, anyway, the rest of the ingredients, we've got some, uh, I don't know if the camera can see this, we've got a bit of meat here. Nice bit of meat. You won't be having any of that soon. That's a nice bit of venison that I cooked up earlier, and it's been sitting on the side for a few hours, so it's probably gone right <laughs> That'd be nice. So it's going to kill you. Oh, maybe. Nice little cocktail umbrella. You know, you won't be seeing any holidays, so you won't be seeing any of them for a while. Um, and of oh shit, my meat's gone in my in my drink. (laughs) (laughs) That's what she uh, said. That's That's not even the disgusting bit, and I cannot believe I'm the only one who's done this. But of course, it wouldn't be a it wouldn't be a Klaus Schwab without a little snack, would it? Uh, Presented inside a glass of false hope, we have got... A meaty worm! Uh, some worms and some bugs. Yeah! Real bugs! Ooh, I was, I was going to fake it, but then I felt bad about faking it, so I didn't. No, I decided not these, to fake it. These are real. I never talk about Wow, wait, whoa! <laughs> oh, no! Gross! Oh, bring it closer to the camera, would you? Let me oh. see that. Ew. Oh! Oh wow! Oh, oh. boy! I I thought why did Shapiro was bad? Psychoanalyze <laughs> him for us, please. He's not very well. <laughs> he really wanted to win this one. <laughs> he he's done. Mm. He's done good. He's done good. Kid's done good. Bloody hell! That's <laughs> yeah, that was, the, that was the meat. <laughs> Is that the sound of bugs there? That's a... <laughs> what, how are the bugs? bugs? You know they're all right. Okay. I could probably like get. I could probably That's get with his future. Ah, oh. uh, this is propaganda. Clever. They got you yeah. early, didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they got him early. Exactly. Yeah. What did you eat? Yeah. <laughs> they 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 funneled us all into their trap. It's just they're all of the people watching are all CIA and MI five. They're all having their Christmas typical <laughs> <laughs> silly conspiracy theories. Dance for us. No one else is listening. <laughs> they don't even realise the Earth's flat. <laughs> I've promoted this doing. episode to my Telegram, and they're all feds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you going? Feds. Yeah, sorry, I'll go. I took, like, your chick way out, and I could not make an evil drink. I could not make a drink called the Klaus Schwab that would taste good, and I can't make a drink that doesn't taste good. Like, it's I cannot do it. I cannot bring myself to do it. So uh, I made the anti-Klaus. So I was inspired by if Santa Claus... Jesus! <laughs> if Santa Claus killed the Antichrist... <laughs> what would what would it take for Santa Claus to kill the Antichrist? It's, the, it's the Anticlaus, it's which the is Klauspus. It's a Klauspus. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, Trumpus, it's, but... 
It's Christian Brothers Apple Brandy. So you have like the Christian mm-hmm. slaying of the Antichrist, but we kind of deserve it because we did eat the apple. So our own, it's our own fault, really. But tasty the apple, though, wasn't it? Tasty, yeah, it was tasty. I, I enjoy the apple. And uh, so this, I like to call this angel tears. This is very high proof. It's 55% by volume. Not as high as Mr. Mike, but quite high. It is made by Carthusian monks in Grenoble, France. I've been there. It was made from the same recipe since 1605. I'm sure that has some <laughs> some mystical property. 130 alpine herbs. And the secret method of preparation is shared by three Carthusian brothers protected by their vows of silence. So yeah, they, think- they wank in it. Yeah. They wank in it. <laughs> oh, thanks. Thank Sorry. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to help you with this. Okay. <laughs> So it goes also with a little fresh lemon juice for cleanliness, a little simple syrup for, uh, you know, just the sweet, um, sweetness of the cure. And then a few dashes of Angostura bitters for the bitter tears shed by so many at the hands of class. So here is your anti-class and it will solve all of your worms and your oppressive drinks and your fetal walnuts. And even you, Mike, I, I think if you went and flew yourself to Switzerland and found Mr. Klaus and threw that over him, he'd burst into flames and it would solve all the problems. <laughs> he would disintegrate like the Wicked Witch of the West. I'm melting. So I'm, gonna, I'm now going to do the judging. And I'm going to say, I think you all did very well. John won. Johnny won. He, Johnny, Johnny did really well and Johnny should win. But listen. <laughs> You cannot compel my speech unless it's to <laughs> Zionism. And I'm, I'm, oh, don't tickle me there. I'm going to start I got with Matthew. I thought your drink was lovely. It was. You haven't drank it, mate. It seemed refreshing, and there was a lot of creativity went into the uh, the formulation. Now, Johnny, yours, listen, I, I, I thought uh, there was a lot of effort that went into it, and I appreciate that, but it had no alcohol in it, and also, milk's a puff drink. Uh, now, Mr. Mike, your drink was almost my favourite, because I like walnuts. <laughs> And I, I admire the simplicity of it, and it can be drunk in a short shot. So you did extremely well. You get the second place highly commended prize. But Monica wins. Basically, well, she would have won anyway because she's Monica and I love her. <laughs> but also... Sexist agenda. I don't even she, qualify. I should be disqualified. The, no, she's no, not going to shag him, mate. <laughs> Any contest, I'm judging you win. <laughs> <laughs> right, I know. That's the thing. I don't even qualify. I should be disqualified. That's sexism right there. Exactly. Congratulations, you Monica. You cannot compel my speech. Thank you. Obviously. It's actually quite delicious. It's totally delicious. It tastes like, uh, yeah. you know, apples. Well, you I need to be a little unscreened because I brought the bottles with me. So I'm just going to keep serving it up. I'm going to town on these bugs now. These are delicious. Are they really? 
That's you know messed up, but secret, they they're alive? actually chocolate coated. Oh, they look like yeah, they should alive. be chocolate. Yeah. They looked alive, but alive, Mike, alive, those, they're not those alive. No, they're not alive. If you put those walnuts, if you put fetal walnuts in a jar and just fill it up with simple sugar, simple syrup. You'll make a baby. Yes, you'll have little baby walnuts that you can put in your Manhattans. But it tastes like Christmas spices. You would think that you loaded it up with cinnamon and stuff, and you don't. You're lucky that you have them. We've got a big tree, Monica, right outside the window. Yeah, just just do it as an experiment. My, my wife does it. She makes a lot of uh, walnut recipes from those things, but... I'm just a guy who drinks the 95% proof. What latitude do you live at, Mr. Mike, to have a walnut tree outside your window? We're living in uh, northern Poland. Oh, right. I love Poland. It's a shame they've started to... uh, Jordan. Where am I from? No, I'm from where you are, uh, Yorkshire. Oh, I I happen. (laughs) Polish people are such a likeable kind of people, but I wish they'd stop starting world wars. <laughs> I gotta roll this back for a second. Didn't the entire government of Poland go down in a plane that then like some finishers came and just put bullets in everybody's head? Oh, Have you yeah. seen this that is, video? This is the great Polish conspiracy. So they had a massive uh, well, they had a flight that was full of all the top military and political brass. And there's two twins who were running the show over here. So there was the Kaczynski twins. One of them was on the plane and one of them was not. And it was flying across to Russia and somehow the um, plane got lost in the fog and it went down with all of the top military brass and politicians. And uh, there is the conspiracy that they, when they went down, there was a video that surfaced of Russian uh, special forces putting bullets in the remainders. Now, I don't know if it's true or not, but the guy who remained, basically the other twin, he is now like literally the guy in power. Well, he's not officially the guy in power, but he's basically run Poland for many, many years. He's still the most influential politician. So I don't know the, right. the full story, but he it spoke about a lot over here. I saw the video. It was totally <laughs> chilling. They were speaking Russian. It didn't really show anything. Like, yeah, I've seen it. could have yeah. been totally made up. But boy, having that idea in your head while you watch it, like, oh, makes your hair stand up. But yeah. it's too suspicious to have everybody in one plane. Like, that's just... I mean, that's just not done. <laughs> you know, you know have, has anyone here ever asked themselves the question, why have they never said we need to put CCTV in planes? You know, after 9-11 and exactly. after all these... I, listen, I, I'm a truck driver, and like, if, some, if, there's a, if there's an incident, my employers can go through the CCTV on my truck and see exactly what happened. <laughs> See how many times you masturbated on one journey. <laughs> I don't work Sorry. For it. You might be they too old for that. They don't have a. I am too old for that. <laughs> also, they don't have. I wouldn't work at a place where they have cameras on the inside of the truck, but they know no. what's going on that on the outside. But at least in the cabin, right, Jordan? You think that they'd put them in the cabin? <laughs> oh, hey, yes. In case there's any anti-Semitism going on, the people being anonymous. We can't have truck drivers being anonymous. They're scam. I want to compel their speech. They have to say, I love Benjamin Netanyahu. <laughs> five minutes. Otherwise, when was this plane crash? Uh, <laughs> was it? Obviously, we had Donald Tusk who led the EU. It was when he was... I think it was when he was in the leadership race for Prime Minister of Poland, or he was 
the prime minister. So we're talking like the yeah, maybe maybe late two thousand, so two thousand nine, two thousand eight, sometime around there, I think. But I can't remember. Twenty ten. I thought it was longer ago. So listen, I, I've got to go, guys. Soon. Uh, thank you for having you me. You want to blow really up Matthew's it. YouTube channel first? Could you just give us a stream <laughs> so, of totally unacceptable epithets? I've and... only made innuendos. <laughs> Jamie. I've only innuendo, but I, I just want to say. Um, yeah, uh, check out History Homo's podcast. Uh, it's rockfin, R-O-K-F-I-N dot com slash History Homo's. Uh, and, you know, we just take it as it comes. We're not, we're not ideologues about anything, but, um, just imagine. Do you remember Ted Kaczynski said, imagine a society in which conditions are so stressful that people have to be medicated in order to tolerate them. In that society, people become an engineered product. Now, we've been in that society for a long time, and they're trying to just put the finishing touches on it right now. But let me put this to you. It's completely hypothetical. There's no analog in the real world. But imagine you live, let's say, you're English, okay? Because I guess most of the viewers of this are English. Let's say you're English. (laughs) <laughs> and let's say know, in about 1948 or around that time, sometime after the Second World War, your country got, England got occupied, and your teenage sons can't go outside without getting shot in the bollocks by a sniper. How does that feel? So, on that note, I'll bid you a Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Bye, William. Bye, William. See you later. No. I don't know how to leave. Matthew will kick you out. You have to throw me out. Throw me out. Bye, Jordan. Just back, yeah. So, what about Uncle Ted? What about Uncle Ted? Does everybody. Vibe on Ted Kaczynski. I I think he's great, but except for the, the killing people, I'm not not a fan. There's of only him. there's only one Unabomber, baby. <laughs> but I thought it was weird that I was served. I never read Kaczynski before, and it was just served up to me in February 2020. I didn't even remember ordering the book. It appeared on my doorstep from Amazon. It had been on like the A&E network or whatever, like some biopic of him and so- somehow like right before COVID lockdown, right what, before it was like shitting. Say it again. It just ended up at the house. Well, I definitely did order it in some kind of fugue state, but I wasn't drinking or maybe that was it. But two <laughs> years ago, I was still of the mindset, like, <clears throat> I don't want to, I would not have ordered that and on Amazon if I really thought about it. Been like, you know, I don't think I want to get Kaczynski delivered to my door. And it totally woke me up to the fact that they were going to shut down the means of production and I would have no way to eat. And I was ready for that because this had been, Kaczynski had, had been fed to me by the mainstream media. That's the only thing I have against it, except for the killing part, which was bad. I think Kaczynski nailed it in terms of his uh, views on technology, like for sure. Like he could see where the, 
uh, logical conclusion of just having technology infused with our life would go because it makes it so easy to create a totalitarian, totalitarian world. But everyone, I mean, I'm sat on this damn device now. You're all sat on devices. We're all being listened in on. So, yeah, you got that right. But it was pretty nuts. It was pretty, <laughs> it was pretty crazy as well. I liked his cabin in the woods. Yeah, and they don't let him. Yeah, he did. And did you have not, no electricity? I can't even imagine that stuff, man. I, I we we we're building a place out here in the in in the woods in Chile, little hut, just two 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 rooms in there. We're gonna rock backwards and forwards. No, no, we're, it's 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 a much nicer place, much better. But I can't even imagine. I mean, living like that—that's that's dedication. And he was the extreme of the argument, wasn't he? he in human form, he was like so far removed. He, he had he had um the ability to to walk the path that he spoke uh and and that i think may have been signs of also a mental illness because <laughs> yeah uh, he was an guy, a victim of yeah 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 no kids but why chile why why is chile the yeah, I tell you what, the, the seasons out here are amazing. Um, the, 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 like, summertime is just hot sun, nice rainy day, hot sun, nice rainy day, hot sun, nice rainy day, hot sun. Just everything grows. Yeah, and and grow really quickly, yeah. really quickly as well. It's like yeah. everything grows at a high speed. It's got, it, it, it's far enough away. People, people think, you know, they got this idea of South America that it's a badass place. And some parts of it are, you know, I've been to, I went up to the desert lands of North Chile recently. I went up to Arica, which is like this run-down old beach resort. Everything's like broken down around there, and it's, it's like miserable. The people are all on drugs, hanging out in doorways. The majority of people live in these like sort of temporary illegal settlements that are on the hillsides of this desert land where there's just nothing going on. No tourism is coming back. There used to be fantastic for things like that, but nothing like that's coming back. So there are places like that but most of the people outside think it's like this terrible wild west Mexican sort of for like old style Mexican stereotypes right, that, right. that was fed to you so so a lot of people don't realise how nice and calm and relaxed Chile is it hasn't got any big beasts or poisonous stuff you know it, the, 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 it's, it's surrounded by mountains so it, it had its own evolution there's no big creatures hanging around you know there's no wolves there's no, there's no, uh, there's no monkeys or anything like that, you know, he hasn't got that sort of stuff, but it's got penguins. Uh, yeah, it's got, I've been to Chile and I saw it's the got penguins. Podos, which are these tiny little deer that are like the smallest little creature yeah. that you can see running around. It's just and and fantastic birds. It's got everything. It's got desert, it's got beach, it's got glaciers, it's got it's got uh like you know, beautiful lakes. We live by volcanoes, so all around where we live is like you go from one town to another town, and it's all a beautiful steaming volcano volcano at the at the start of every town it's just such like you get such visual like amazing visual like moments in chile uh beautiful beautiful so in chile johnny and not one of the other many other latin american countries or sorry southern american countries 
Well, uh, well, I I didn't really get too much of a choice. I I I fell in fell in love with a girl who's down this way, and and she's uh, you know, and and once you experience down here, like okay, that's a that's a cool way of life. It's a cool chilled. Uh, the Chilean people are really they're weird. They're like next uh, apart from Mexicans, they're like the 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 chubbiest of the Latin American people. They're very round people. Uh, they eat a lot of meat and they eat a lot right. of papafritas and you know they're, they're very they're very they all drive around in big trucks it's, it feels very much like the essence of some places like texas and stuff you know you know it's uh but it's it's just it's just chill down here it's it's so much nicer than it is oh, god when i go up to britain and i see what's becoming of it it's yeah. it's it's hard it's hard it's i this is it's not it's we're not seeing just one generation's worth of damage we're seeing like a, a concerted effort over like three generations to destroy culture uh within like yeah. within within society but within every tribe every like yeah. like white people are just suddenly this homogenous block and we don't have any history to us apart from the fact that we we were once oppressors and yet i know all of these people from all over britain who all if they add a look at where they really what what people they really belong to they belong to these small tribes that are still dotted in the same places that they were 1500 years ago it's really interesting like around leeds leeds the people of leeds if you if you uh test their their genetics it's different than the people in the south east uh the people in the southeast are basically french the people up in leeds and the oh, people in the you. almet they they yeah. they are a certain tribe where you've got the humbers north humbers you've got the lanks you've got um uh the picked people uh you've got five different tribes of whales uh so many really really interesting things about britain that we don't uh, we don't enjoy, we don't embrace anymore because we're all too busy saying, oh, you know, we all, we're all white people who have oppressed a load of black right. people. And we, in actual fact, the majority of people who have met black people who are white would be like oh god hello how are you you all right yes especially in britain you know everybody's very black and for wales you have you you know you you had racism don't get me wrong that was a thing of the time it was on everything movies tv uh, in music it was everywhere it was like the the feeling the vibe the culture it makes it like that but we've kind of done a lot of struggling to get balance and now we're in a situation where there is no balance it's it's all, all all of all of it's it's a really strange thing because it, it sounds like white people crying but for me i i feel like someone from wales and i feel like welsh national national sort of nationality isn't embraced anymore it's becoming a stereotype that's being put up on a shelf like christmas cards bought out once a year and is losing its essence same Here everywhere. We have something similar in that there was no, there's no, they, I think they completely ginned up all any kind of white anything here. It was, are you from New York? It was regional. So New Yorkers, like even like rappers from all over the world talk like they're from Brooklyn. Like there's a, there's an accent, there's a, uh, a bond. Brooklyn and the Bronx were totally at odds with each other. Like they had to make Bugs Bunny a combination of Brooklyn and the Bronx because there was so much rivalry. And when I moved up, like my family moved up to the suburbs of the city. It was on the other side of the Bronx from Brooklyn. 
And so we were just like, you guys are lumberjacks and hayseeds, you know, but these people from the Bronx, we were like, you're not even from the city. There is no grass in the Bronx. Like, I don't know how I could think it was not even a city, but there was so much like culture in such a tiny amount of space. And that's, you know, about the, uh, like the, the experiments done, you know, someone always starts with this, you know, about the Milgram experiments and stuff, this experiments. Well, you got those experiments that were about the tribe fighting and loads of tribes were fighting. It turned out that when it turned into a free for all, it was people who were basically from the same bloodlines and same genetics distantly were all siding up with each other. And there is an element of that. If you push everybody into mega cities, eventually over time, people find the, the people People who are most like their people and they divide up into their little areas it's a really human thing it's a part of the developing culture and it's what the people at the top the Klaus Schwab's and the globalists want to get rid of they want to homogenize everything get rid of all of that whenever you have if you have a city like New York you've got like all these really diverse places people are proud to be from a certain part of New York I'm from Queens you know it's like <laughs> you've got people who are really really like uh, over the top about it and it's seems like from the outside oh well they don't they don't have history but what do we know about in britain even what do we know about our history all we know is that when we look at someone we feel connected with them or we don't feel connected with them and if you feel connected with someone quicker that helps you develop deeper relationships that last over time if you don't necessarily connect with someone and it's it may be just based on a visual thing it can be just based on visual your brain says yes your brain says no you know and what we got to do is learn of course to be nice people just that's the the essence that we need on top of everything that's what you need to spread everything is be nice people uh don't be a racist arsehole but we gotta accept that people like to be with their own people they feel more comfortable now who your own people are anymore do people know and and it changes over time because with tribalism i mean if you look back to any situation where you force humans into an intense situation the first thing that they always do i mean my, my dad was in prison uh, and he told me about what life was like was that he said the first thing that happens when you go to prison is people go off into little tribes you know yeah and you see it all in the movies you know there's the mexicans there's the blacks there's the whites blah 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 that is exactly what life is like and if you can't do it on skin color then they do it on another thing so if you if you look like in Liverpool, they used to have, like, literally two sides of the road. Like, I'm on this side, you're on that side, I'm going to shoot you. You know what I mean? Like, that is exactly what it's like. It's this tribalism. So it's definitely ingrained with us. You know, it's definitely encoded within us. And what we're trying to do as a global community is to transcend that, you know, to actually see the person, see the individual. But we will always have this genetic trigger you know what I mean? That's not you're not going to change that. It's like the the edge for sex. So is it about embracing that trigger or denying that trigger? Because I I argue that if you deny that trigger, you're going to end up being sad automatically. It's like you cannot deny something. Uh, you your your expression, your what manifests from your life will be more positive if you embrace the simple. Well, that's probably part of it, Johnny. I think is that when they lay it out to people and they make they say right you've got this hidden racism then someone's going to sit there and think oh yeah i do feel i do feel more at ease around somebody who looks like me you know i do feel more at ease again uh, around somebody that's x y or z and therefore it kind of reinforces that narrative that if you feel at some point more comfortable with somebody who's from your region or your look or skin color or whatever it is that you're secret racist and i think that is exactly the narrative whereas what you're saying is it's just acknowledging like oh yeah 
we're, we're strange creatures. You know, I mean, we've got all of these things that get passed on generation mm-hmm. to generation. I remember growing up and that that was that feeling, any kind of feeling like that was actively eradicated. And as you know, a young, educated person, I made sure that I never validated any feeling like that, any hint like that. I would root it out like, no, should I like, why am I not attracted to like guys who look like that? Well, you know, I should get over that because that's probably rooted in some kind of racism or whatever. And I do think that you want to mate with people who look like you so that your kids look like you. Like, I think that's like a very, very primal thing to want. And, but I feel like it was rooted out. So when I saw the whole like racism, white supremacy stuff being given a lot of airtime here, it was just simply not credible to me. Like I did not know anyone whoever indulged thoughts like that. My brother is a truck driver. He would go into the most remote. My dad was too. Most remote places. I used to truck with them and it was just very rare to find something like that. And, you know, to the point where people would organize or make that their, their, um, like to identify, to have the, their self image related to a racial identity was, something I just didn't experience. So I don't like even believe, I think it was first the tribalism stuff had to be reintroduced and weaponized just like everything else, just like so much like democracy and all the processes that actually did kind of settle down and people like, all right, we'll accept this, uh, you know, the society where we don't all agree and there are a lot of different things. And when you have a political problem, like the process will save us. They upended, they made sure the process stopped working. They reintroduced these pathologies so that, or whether they are or not, but they reintroduced problems like that so that they could justify taking it out, which was a Karl Popper, George Soros thing from London School of Economics. Like they wanted, it was the open society. But I mean, now now they took it to this stage where they're actually saying to like, for example, they'll say to lesbian females, oh, you must see a transsexual man, who, well, a transsexual woman, should I say, who's, who's now a female, the same way. And if you don't find them attractive, then you have an ism. And that is what they're doing. You know, and it's like turning people's minds inside out so that people just feel completely disorientated, like they can't trust themselves. And that's what I always say to my wife is, they're trying to make it so people do not trust a single thing that they think about themselves or their lives or outside of that in terms of the media or government or anything it's this complete disorientation so they can just shuffle us into their agendas mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i think this conversation's proven quite nicely one of the questions i was gonna pose to you all and that given our personalities and what we're all speaking about here do you think that makes us really difficult to buy christmas presents for mm-hmm. Because, I mean, or maybe it's really easy, depending on your partner or your family. Like, Mike, I've seen on Twitter your partner's getting you a javelin missile. <laughs> yeah, you can pick them up for about 30k over here now. They're all over the place. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm, um, I'm, uh, I'm easy. I'm Ferrero Rocher, man. You get me Ferrero Rocher, I'll be your friend for life. That's it. That's it. Just uh, do it. Do it. Hurry up and do it. We'll have a relationship, Matt. You know, we. I'll, I'll sleep in your bed. I can't promise anything, but you give me Ferrero Rocher, I can promise something. Hello. 
Whew, you get ready to deliver it like they used to on the advert where she had to swoop in through the window while you're asleep and leave it on the table. No, 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 no. she got to give it to me and then leave. Leave me alone <laughs> with a Ferrero Rocher and I'll eat it all myself. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Uh, I, I, listen, there's nothing, there's nothing different about us conspiracy types, you know. We're all, we're all pretty normal people. We all, we all do the same things. We're all fine. <laughs> I had you down as maybe asking for like a signed pair of Henry Kissinger's glasses or a f- framed Lolita Express flight, flight log oh, or something like that, you know, just. Yeah, yeah, you can imagine. One day, one day me and Whitney could have like a chamber, uh, a gallery of evil, a black museum of our own hidden at the back of the, uh, in the, the back of the storeroom. Like that episode of Father Ted with all the Nazi stuff. Yeah. Well, it'll probably end up, if it's Kissinger, it's basically Nazi stuff anyway, isn't it? Yeah. I think I asked you that in a roundabout way previously. Like, what what do you and Whitney generally chat about? You know, like, if you're just sitting around the table, is it just non-stop, or do you ever switch off? Yeah, yeah. Well, she 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 she's very good at saying no. I'm switching off now, so there's no point. <laughs> so, but but most of the time we're we're just. I mean, you can't help it. Something happens, and then something else happens, and you say something. But we got um we we've got like uh two kids, so like that's running around. Uh, we just had a five year old birthday party. It's nuts, you know, less hard life. We we don't get much time to chatter most of the time. We're just, like, doing the things, being woken up by baby man, little man, <laughs> and stuff, you know, the normal everyday family things. So, uh, but, but uh, man, if you talk to her about stuff, it, she can go really deep and really quickly into something that will lead you somewhere else. I've written five articles that are going to be coming out in the next sort of month. I want them to come out in the next month i hope they do um it, it's weird one of them the last of them uh is tackling a subject from like the 1950s and 1960s and i have to get ahead of the story <laughs> i'm telling a story from that far back and there's a story that's gonna break soon in january february that i want this said to be out to because it's really important for so i'm uh, past stories that you have to get ahead of the story on um but but uh, yeah we we do a lot of um talking about the sort of like agenda of course we can't help it can't help it i would love to offer you johnny a platform to talk about those things on my show and uh i can attest that i don't think it ever turns off in your house because when you sent us a video of you and your puppy, there was a Joe Biden speech playing in the background. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I were in Chile yeah. with my kids, my wife, my dogs, uh, listening to Joe, but all and, Joe Biden speeches. I'm not, I'm not sure that could be classed as a speech necessarily. Yeah, a speech. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> it did sound quite disjointed and irrational, but it felt like background music. <laughs> this guy is really yeah. living it. What, uh, what do you ask for, Monica, for Christmas? Is it more like more rare books to cram onto the Oh my gosh, I have so many books. It's like a sickness. I look in the Amazon and I saw, I just wrote a book. I wanted to see a recent book I bought. So I went to the orders and I wrote a book and it came out with 1,200 hits on my 
orders. I had bought 1200 books. So, and my husband gets in the habit of like going to my wish list on Amazon and that's what he gets me for Christmas. But it just, it goes way, I have so many books, they're overwhelming. But I think it's funny, like what I get the people in my house, which is like, I got my husband like dancing bear sweatpants and a smoking jacket. I just feel like in order to live with, you know, the truthy, you have to just totally like think it's funny. My, like I'll be telling my son like, oh, and then this is what happened in class. Like you should listen to Johnny Bedmore, like class, blah, blah, blah. And my husband will walk in. He'll just be like, Klaus, Klaus. you know what I'm like? You know? I also <laughs> sing some, I sing some Klaus Schwab uh, songs around the house too. Too. I'm sorry. It's, it, it is that cheesy sometimes. Hey, yeah. Like, that's what Ooh, it takes. If anyone took me seriously, it would like How's be a going, very dark place to be. Oh, hi. Sorry, I got, a, I got yeah, an got interrupter here. Yeah. Uh-huh. Hi. I'm back now. Right, no, 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 I don't. That's pretty interesting because maybe we should be judged on what our partners are now buying as a result of being in a relationship with us because this morning my wife got a parcel. And I said, what's in it? And she said, oh, it's presents for the family. So I was like, oh, fantastic. Let's have a look. It was a stun gun, three, <laughs> three <laughs> and two Tanto knives. Those are going in the stocking. <laughs> yeah, I, I had to take a step back. And I just thought for a second, what have I done? <laughs> Good. Oh, oh, my gosh. Don't tell him. But I bought my husband. And this is when my son was like, mom, we know that was for you, right? I bought him a battery and a solar panel. I was like, he's going to love it. It was like so much money. My my son was just like, mom, that is not a present for dad. Like that's a present for you. It's like, I don't know. I think he's going to like, he's not going to like it. (laughs) So anyway, my husband's present is for me. (laughs) So, but it's cool. Like it's a big battery, like a car battery and you can plug. And I hate it because I hate solar power because I think it's a plot. I like oil, like to burn fossil fuels, but uh, but you, it's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's fucked up because now I have like perverse incentive. You know, I just can't get my. But they don't let it rain here, so it's always sunny. You will always have that battery charge because you can just lay the solar panel out. And I wasn't going to do it, but a listener suggested it, and I thought I hate to buy in, but you know, it's like when there were seatbelt laws. Like I'm not wearing a seatbelt because it's a law. And then my husband's like, "Okay, that's stupid." Because like you could go through the window. I'm like, that's true. So no, that looks great, Monica. Just make sure that you have your solar so you're like independent, like not connected to the grid, and then independent so that you own the system. I mean, that's what we've got here, and we have blackouts all the time, and it this saved our asses. You know, in, in, like, minus twenty degrees winter. Like we need that to like run our heating system. So it's really important. How, how good are solar? Because I hear so much negative stuff about it. How good is the solar nowadays? How can you like? If you're storing it on your own system. Where we are, Johnny, we don't get really any sun in winter. I mean, it's like, well, we're basically like not like Scotland type weather over here in winter. So it's really cold. But even then, like we had like last year, we had about six or seven blackouts. And every one of them without that solar would have had nothing. So, you know, even with that, the batteries had enough charge and we're getting just enough in to last maybe a two, three day blackout. And this was just a small setup. So... You know, the people who are, who are like naysayers, they're probably people who are using it to like, like, oh, solar shit because I can't run my fridge, my washing machine, and my 15 iPads. But at the end of the day, like when, if you're in a real emergency situation, you're using it for lights, for a well pump, 
on maybe. 12, uh, only yeah, 12 yeah. iPads. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you use it just properly, you'll be fine. 12 iPads, you're good, but no. Yeah, so that's how we use it. Like, we use it for emergency. But, like, if you really are living, like, one of these American lifestyles where there's, you know, a big, massive house, then, of course, it's not going to work very well. But mm-hmm. I don't really think that's what it's meant for. Passionate. I'm selling this to my husband as, so what it is, it's a battery. It looks like a car battery. It has one outlet in it, and it has just one, like, cable that goes to a big solar panel. And I'm selling it to him as he has a freezer full of meat in the garage. Oh, and you good. do not want that going down. It's like aged ribeyes. Like, for God, a lot of aged ribeyes, you need the solar battery. That almost like bribery or blackmail or something. <laughs> That's like, there's, there's got to oh, be a word for it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's good. Neat capping. <laughs> <laughs> what, what about you, Matt? What are you getting for Christmas? What's your uh, ideal present? Um, we're having a bit of an austerity Christmas, actually, uh, because we're getting married next year. Oh, so, my God. Oh, my oh. God, yeah. So, uh, Monica, <laughs> are you sitting down? Uh-oh. Uh-huh. It's not to you. I'm not getting married to you. Don't worry. This isn't, <laughs> getting married to William. This isn't, this isn't the news. No, the, it's... Uh... you, Monica. Come on. Let's, we, there's two witnesses here. All we need is a priest. <laughs> no, the wedding uh, is going to be dinosaur-themed. That is so adorable. I love fantasy. <laughs> we'll need a real dinosaurs. Dragon. So yeah, we. Uh, I think me and Monica both don't actually believe in dinosaurs. No, I think, I think they're ridiculous on their face, like the moon landing. Like you can try to prove it to me, but you're gonna have to prove it to me. <laughs> the onus is on you. Yeah, I'm, I'm just not having it. What a load of nonsense! There's no way you're telling me a, a raptor turned into a chicken. Well, here's the problem, is that the bones aren't even bones. It's not even that they make clay out of the bones. The bones are, they don't even say that the bones are bones. They say that the bones are rocks that look like bones because they seeped into bones. But when that happens, like to wood, it's like quartz and colorful minerals. Like they don't look like wood anymore. It's just not going to look like a bone. So I think they have zero evidence whatsoever. Just not, I have so far seen mammoths lived. They have frozen mammoths probably yeah. down by you, but... No, I'm enjoying. I was in love with dinosaurs for my entire like until I was maybe even when I got like I was in love, and then as it was dying off and I was growing up, Jurassic Park came out, and it was like, oh my god, I'm a dinosaur, I'm a herbivore, yeah, and uh, straight back into it. Um, but no, uh, I am unsure on all of this. I can't tell you, and the unfalsifiable is not a realm I like to go into. Because if I can't prove it for myself, then I don't like it. I just I feel icky. I always I always feel funny about dealing with other people's sort of like, um, especially big systems, big organizations, especially scientific in nature. If you can look back through the history of science, nearly everybody who's a scientist was wrong at the time that they were alive. Nearly all of the scientists, like like ninety seven, ninety eight percent, were definitively oh, wrong about everything they said. And they do at the time that they were living later on of course you disprove them but they don't get remembered in the annals of history there's a lot of scientists out there so like it's really hard there's some really big characters were involved in the early like natural history museum stuff and there was lots of like time where people were like oh we don't know what these things that look like bones are and then suddenly uh, now we know what they are And, and so 
so there is this. There's lots of room for wriggle room for something to have happened over time. I I don't doubt it, but uh, I don't know. I can't tell you what I can tell you is, and what goes through my mind is my little boy. He's letting, coming up to one years old, and he's got like dinosaur clothes that make really? me. They make Seriously. me. It makes me smile. It makes me yeah. go. I like dinosaurs. No, enjoy it. That's what it's for. It's like Santa Claus. Enjoy. Yeah, enjoy. No, no, we don't do Santa Claus. God, no. Yeah, no, it is a setup. <laughs> I did feel bad about the whole Santa Claus thing with my kids. I was like, I don't, I don't feel comfortable. But I loved what you said about the. Scientists being gone because I say that also about the seatbelt thing. I'm like, you know what? When I was a kid, people didn't really wear seatbelts too much, but you know, everyone, like a lot of those people are, or some of those people are no longer with us. You never have somebody tell the story of like how hurt they got when they didn't wear a seatbelt because they're not there. So the same thing about the scientists, like you never hear about the ones that are wrong. And of course it would be almost all of them because there's always like a massive you know, community of academics since the beginning. Wankademics. <laughs> no, at the time, all of these, at the time, all of these groups. So you look at it now and you look at all of this medical community and we're like, how come is nearly all of the medical community speaking a load of nonsense and all being a load of bloody idiots and purposely putting in rules that don't make any sense? Why is this all happening now? But if you take it back 50 years ago and you examine a similar situation, there's a load of people saying, why is all the medical community completely and utterly sick? And it's just the same. We just haven't lived in that 40, 50 years ago, so we just don't know. And it just keeps being the same. You know, we're always completely like slapping our heads and going, what's going on? Why is this happening? Every organization becomes corrupt. Sit. Totally. All right, we should probably read that out loud in case we use audio. Sarah says, the story keeps changing. Now they have feathers and you're dumb if you don't agree, which of course brings them full circles to circle to birds, which is all they really are. Birds with eggs and feathers and birds with dinosaurs. Birds that tickle. Yeah. That latest Jurassic Park, they just decided, oh, now, now all the lethal ones have got feathers all of a sudden. Like not like 93 when, you know, they're all reptile and that. And they're colored. Nonsense. How the hell do they know? Although I am willing to entertain the idea that the dinosaurs evolved into shape-shifting reptilians. Like that movie. Uh, what's that movie called? Um, where there's like the inspector who's actually inspect like, oh, uh, an anonymous Rex. It's like a, dreadful, oh, like a, wait a minute. Z level movie or something. Is this from the eighties with the, the thing that decapitates people and go, oh. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I've not yeah. I've not actually seen it. I've just read about it and I was like, okay. Oh my god, I have to watch this at some point. It looks so bad. It's like it's beyond B B level movie stuff. It's it looks good. exhilarating. I think I will seek it out immediately. <laughs> so are we saying like can we make from this conversation that we agree that the Darwinian theory of evolution is incorrect? It I think it's mathematically impossible. No we don't chance. have evidence. Mathematically impossible. I agree. <laughs> I'm with you. Least, humans aren't involved in it. Short term, it sounds all right. Short term, it sounds all right. Long term, gets a little bit rocky. It's not the origin of species. <laughs> I made a load of crumbles. <laughs> like would have been made by the whole scientific community when Darwin came out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't like any of this. This is all changing again. What do you say? It was a big 
beasts. What are you, what are you talking about, these bloody idiots? Yeah, well. So, uh, does anyone have any uh, predictions for 2023? I, I, out of curiosity today, I had a quick look and I noticed that there aren't any major elections coming up in 2023. I believe the Polish elections are in December of this year. But it occurred to me this gives like uh, them a full year of out, without any real political upheaval in any particular country. So if they're going to implement anything in particular, there's a good chance it's going to be shortly whilst all, whilst they've got all their uh, puppets in place, as it were. What does everyone think is coming down the pipeline in the next few months? Well, the, the presidential cycle is a really important cycle in terms of you look back through history and you use the presidential cycle to look at things like financial crisis, wars. It, there is often that um, progression, like you said, that in the third year, that'll be when they try and get in as much as they can because, of course, you don't have the election cycle until the next year. So, I, you know, I'm expecting a lot of crisis. I'm expecting a lot of chaos. And uh, I think... Personally, I think the big one for me that I'm looking at is the financial crisis. That's the one that I don't think they're going to be able to make it out of 2023 without seeing a huge collapse of the financial system. I think they're trying to keep the can down the road, but we're going to get extremely high inflation because of it. And that's going to turn into hyperinflation eventually. So that's what I'm looking at in 2023. It's financial collapse. I'm not saying the whole system's going to come down, but I do think we're going to see and things start to really fall apart. It's going to be like the World Trade Center just before the, you know, the big crumble. That's what we're going to see this year. Next year. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I was listening and thinking about the financial system and how terrible it was. Um, yeah. This is true enough that there's going to be, this is like 2023 officially is going to be the year where you, everybody starts hearing CVDCs. Everybody starts hearing it. It's not going to be the complete rollout because that's going to be take like five to seven years to, to really start to implement. But they've already like released articles saying all oh, the systems that currently run this can be suited for this and all of this so they're already trying to get people prepared this is when everybody finds out about it so this is a point when everybody also finds out about things like expiry date on their money in the future and you watch the old people you watch how angry old people get at the idea i think they won't be able most old people won't be able to even confront the possibility and will act like it's conspiracy even when they tell it to their face because old people like people like my mum and stuff will be like saved up for their entire life just to find out that they their wealth can go in in two ticks like before you know it's it's like expired and that will devastate them they'll know what they are then a lot of people will know what they are i think it's going to be the same i think there's going to be uh financial instability like never before and lots of movements lots of governments that will collapse in on themselves and stuff like that as it rolls up one of the things i i mentioned in uh uh the podcast with you before that I really think is uh, is going to happen is there's something big going to happen on the getting back to our front I think that that decision will be overturned um, and that will be uh, 
there's crazy things coming in the Epstein case in general. And I think there will be a lot of reevaluating what's been actually going on there um, by a lot of people. And the, the named victims, a lot of them, their stories are not going to add up uh, once they're put under spotlight and, and, and really scrutinized. So I think that's going to happen. But I think like the, the next year, this is like, Elon Musk is ascending, and as he's ascending, Klaus Schwab is coming down, and there's a technocratic moon about to cross here sometime in the next few years. The leaders of the technocracy are about to change hands at any time. Klaus has got loads of bad publicity. I, I already said this year that I think uh, we're at peak World Economic Forum. People, there's so many holes appearing in it that you're going to start to see Klaus Schwab move away and something else rise up and it's going to be something new looking and it's going to be a different type of new world order and that's going to come along with all of this financial turmoil there's going to be a wave of people who suddenly over the next few years say hey we could be the answers to your problem we're the young technocracy we're the new technocracy we're the new technocratic world order and we can we've got all the solutions mega cities this that the other it'll be the exact same thing klaus schwab and the world economic forum are offering which is if you look at what musk offers now is exactly what klaus Schwab is uh, offered in the past so all of this I think is lining up for there to be a takeover over the next few years but I think next year is a really important one you've seen Elon Musk rise uh, and I think he's about to take over to be the king of the technocracy wow I have I can I pick up on that so I've totally noticed since Elon took over that for the first time ever ever my tweets are on the regular uh, flagged and suppressed and alerted. Never happened to me before. Now it's all over the place. He's definitely going to usher in a new era of you know, social media control, get rid of Section 230. I don't know how they're going to play that psyop, but I totally agree. He's that face. Um, Klaus could just as easily, I think you're probably right there. Just like I was saying, Kaczynski was pushed down my throat. So was the Great Reset. So is Klaus. Anybody who is kind of paying attention saw it first. Soros will probably die. Klaus can be scapegoated. And then you have, right, the new technocrat emerge, just like you have identity politics. I'm sure like the Elon Musk can be the Trumpian hero or whatever. And then uh, I do agree with you. The financial stuff's going to go crazy, but I feel like uh, FTX, that is there. That was a PSYOP designed to obviously have crypto regulated, but also to proliferate, to make it totally acceptable. Because once you square it away, then you can use it at movie theaters. You can use it here and there. You can use it as the basis of the CBDC. So that is part of that's definitely emerging and then um, I feel like there is going to be uh, increasing violence against politicians, and that will either create them being behind walls like in D.C. or behind, you know, be constantly shadowed by bodyguards that they do not control. I feel like that protection for politicians is not only to keep them from getting stoned to death because of the technocracy or tyranny that's coming down, but also to keep them in line. So in case they did want to step out and speak truth to power or say, I'm not like Melania Trump, you know, I think she would have spoken out, but they, they, um, squared her away. I feel like that's what's, that's the purpose behind politicians getting attacked. And I also think that we're going to see, and I don't know if people are going to acknowledge it or not, but 
very fast acting cancers that people are going to go from zero to stage four very quickly, whether it's COVID or vaccines. I think that's one of the places where COVID as a bioweapon and the vaccine as, you know, that bioweapon being injected will have this problem, which is it, it can stimulate rare and fast acting diseases. That whole thing about people with underlying conditions are more prone to dying of COVID. I think that that will be true kind of in the long term you know, the medium term, the next year or two as well. Mm. Too, you too negative? The, uh, Wait. You, no, no, uh, no. You, <laughs> I will continue to make great cocktails oh, and spill them. <laughs> do you think the, the COVID and the vaccine are the same thing? I think that they made the vaccine out of the spike protein of all the pieces of the genetic chain that they needed to take. They took the one thing that actually is a fusion protein that can create blood clots. And that is the thing that's, that is bad for you. Mm-hmm. So it's not exactly the same thing, but it is that thing. And that's the problem. So I think when people are getting, I know a couple of people, I know a few people in both camps having had severe COVID or having had um, a lot of, you know, vaccines or vaccine reaction, having these cancers that I had never observed before, like that, that real fast decline. And uh, yeah, and it makes me think that really it is basically the same thing. We just had one the other day, um, a woman, uh, the daughter of somebody that we know, same age as me, um, got told you need to have a double mastectomy within the next uh, three weeks. You know, Highly inflammatory fast, breast cancer. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I know yeah. someone with that. Yeah, I've seen a lot. I, I, when I was back in Britain a couple of months ago, I've seen some talked with some people, and there's terrible stories around the place. Terrible. And 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 they'll say, you know, I got I got uh, all of these issues, and um, I'm glad I got it because otherwise it would have been worse. Yeah, but I, I don't. I think it's it's they. they yeah, so. But that's the thing. Like they're like, well, you should have gotten vaccinated to people who have suffered from this, but it's a bioweapon. It yeah, was, yeah, this yeah. is not a normal thing for us. We, we handle that. You don't get cancer from a cold. Like it does not happen. They, and they did, they basically admit that they did the gain of function stuff. They call it a leak, but it obviously wasn't because they were injecting it in people's arms. So it's not, that's not an accident. But yes, I'm sad, sad to say that that is true. But I also think, you know, just to white pill a little bit, if, you know, if the human person, assuming that that those, Gene therapies don't actually change the fundamental makeup of mankind. Our entire existence since the beginning of the slave tax state has been, you know, a struggle to keep the remnants alive, to kick the can of tyranny down the road. And I'm going to keep that up and I'm going to make sure I enjoy the ride. I'm going to hug my kids and have my cocktails. And I feel like, you know, it, it does seem like the end of the world because the surveillance state is so powerful with these screens and everything, but you got to, they, that's why they have to constantly propagandize you because they do not, they have, maybe they have tamed us, but they have not truly domesticated us. So there is, in, in, as, as an individual, I hope that, that, you know, they will not control what makes me free. Mm. I think one thing to, to acknowledge as well, and this is something that I always go back to in terms of what's happened to us the past few years, is that nothing was ever and I'm speaking for myself here, so somebody might come along and say, actually, no, it wasn't the same thing. But I don't feel like, for us in this in this chat here, nobody came along and forced us into anything. It was all, they had to convince us to do it. And they all they also revealed the method long before we saw the harms of it. 
And I don't know why that is. I'm still trying to figure it out, but it does seem to me like you have to opt into this shit. You know, it's mm. not, no one's come and dragged me out. No one's forced a mask, a mask on me. You know, I was traveling across Europe. I never took a test once across the borders, did it the scenic route. I never had any problems. And mo I think for most people, it would, it would have been the same had they not have been terrified into doing these things. Mm, and the but specifically, you had, you had to go and take it. You, know, you did have to go and take it. And I think the future is going to look much the same. You're going to have to opt into these things. Now, it might be psychologically difficult to not do it, but if you've done it once, you'll do it again. And I think that's a, that's a white pill too. No, I, 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 I had this like two years of, of pain in my ass. You know, I arrived in, in Chile just before Chile went into extreme lockdown where you could only leave the house, uh, with the police's permission for two hours to go shopping twice a week if you, and, and, and that's like crazy because all everywhere is far away in Chile. So you, you do like half an hour to get into the town and half an hour to get back and you're supposed to pick up your, your, your well, oh, everything was closed anyway. You can't even pick up your kids. Everybody was stuck inside and, and, and it was this like, if you don't take it, you're, you're, uh, going to be like uh forced to stay inside that was the feeling in chile and when i uh, we left chile and went to britain for a bit and it got a little it was a bit better britain was a bit better it was a bit more open um but then i couldn't get back into chile again because they wouldn't let us so my 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 baby got born in chile and i missed out on my my baby's birth because they stopped me from going in so that was just basic i couldn't go across any borders i couldn't fly to any other countries nearby they were all the same they're just like if you're not vaccinated you can't come in and i can understand you know it, it, people's lines are really really far down that for for most people that that wanting to have that experience in their life would be enough to 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 get jabbed and just go on your way and hope for the best and i the thing is is that you have to have foresight you have to think about the fact that all of the worst things they want to do is what they're going to aim at and what they're going to try and and uh, push on us and there's going to be times like this there's going to be times like this uh for the next few years when i finally got back over uh, to to chile it's like it's uh, when whitney did a book tour around uh America, America. she went in and had a couple of interviews and um i couldn't go with her i'm not allowed in america you know i'm treated like i'm some sort of like yeah I, i've had i had covid uh, right at the start i had omicron right at, at the start of the omicron thing um so i'll have antibodies and they, i won't it won't uh, affect me negatively and all of that but they don't care this isn't about any disease this is about separating people and drawing those lines and those lines are really important to understand because that's exactly how these things work it, it, it takes just like the most logically minded person it takes them minutes to change their mind if you say you can't do this though and people have different thresholds and all they have to do is push away the first time and people drop their thresholds and they, they just they let it all in and then they just do what you say. And all of those people is all you need. Next time, those people will be with you and more. You know, it's just... And, and for them, they, they've been this agenda, this vaccination agenda, this fear in anti-vax, big fear about anti-vaxxers and all this. This has been going on for 150 years. The 170 years. This has been going on since the birth of vaccines. This is just like they constantly... There's been people who have been like, I don't want uh, to be injected. Can you imagine in the early 1900s or late 1800s? 
Edwards, someone coming along with technology of that time and saying, all right, you're going to lick this calf lymph. That's what you're going to do, and that'll stop you getting cowpox. And like, you're going to be ill, but you won't be as ill as you would be otherwise. And like for lots of people, that didn't make logical sense. And a lot of people were, in my opinion, educated actually better back then. You know, you'd be surprised that... John Adams' oh. child was killed by a vaccine. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not surprised at all because these these uh, this this is an agenda that's been going on for ages and ages, and it's about them doing the same thing, which is looking for the elixir of life, looking for the uh, uh, a cure to all diseases, the antidote to any problems, so that they can have it. Um, and for that, you often need to infect the poor um, and test on them, because we, we've really a lot of the world before it changes. A lot of the people have to realize that the first port of call for rich people is to treat poor people as guinea pigs that's it you know any anybody and if you were rich if you were really rich and brought up in a rich family and surrounded by the same uh ethical sort of like uh paradigms everywhere you would do the same probably as well you know we we here now and the people watching at home who agree with us maybe the people who escaped from a very slippery net that lots of people get caught up into but it's finding those limits and th- th- these big events allow them to push the the limits upon people and push them further back and further back and what is normal and acceptable because I, I remember someone in about 2018 saying to me there's no way they could uh, we would in Britain we would wear masks like they do in China I, I remember that being said to me in a hotel and I believed it too I had that feeling that it could no way and once I saw it happen I was just devastated I was just like this is this is this is humanity this is we bend over so easily and they keep pushing us as far as we'll bend over for for me there is one logical fallacy in the whole thing which I've been trying to wrap my head around and it's the idea that like if you take You've maybe all listened to Charlie Robinson's podcast, uh, Regressions, where he's talking about the Deagle Report, where he's uh, predicting like how many people are still going to be alive in a couple of years' time and whatnot. And what, what I, I've struggled to get my head around is why would they vaccinate to death all the people who are compliant with what they want to do? And I've toyed with a couple of ideas of like why this might be the case, and then it's... What what has worried me is the idea that like contained within this vaccine is actually the vaccine to the next pandemic, so that when the thing does come down the line, then we're all knocked off because we are not going to be taking that either. That's a, no. that's a concern. I don't think that's that's true. I think I think the first thing you've got to think about that on that is they would never ever do something that would potentially harm themselves. You know that mm-hmm. just doesn't make sense. You know these people. Their whole agenda is to try and become godlike and live forever. You know, that's, that's the goal, isn't it? It's transhumanism. We're going to live forever and then we're going to enslave everyone else and you're going to live for a few years till we're done with you. That's the idea. And I think to, I don't think we should, personally, I, I don't think we should be going down the path where we consider that the goal was just to kill people. I think that's a, that's a, they knew that some people would die for sure because they've been testing this privately 100%. Now, they'll know what the effects are going to be. But I think it's more based around the transhuman agenda and they're trying to get the human the human being, um, let's say, conditioned for these materials that they're going to be putting in us. 
You know what I mean? They want to they want to get they want to get us prepared for it. And there's going to be stuff in the future. Of course, the first batch is going to probably wipe out some people, and that's good because they want to get rid of people too. But I don't think that was the actual end goal. I think the end goal is to actually to get us ready for the next stage of transhumanism because they want us to be fully injectable. And when you look into the agenda around 5G, then 6G, and the Internet of Bodies and the Internet of Things, everything needs to be hooked up, including you. But to do that, you need to get us, you need to get the body, the human body, ready for it. You know what I mean? Our bodies are going to reject some of these things that we're putting mm-hmm. into us. However, maybe if you keep giving it to us, particularly with boosters again and again, some people will survive. And those people that survive, maybe their children will be able to handle it too. Now, I'm not sure, but that's just one that's, element. That's I, one. I don't think that they were just trying to kill people, although I do think that's probably a positive for them if some people do get rid of. But they'll have probably known that ratio to begin with, how many were going to die and how many were going to survive. There's that's absolutely a, a diminishing returns, though, because every well, most people, I say most, plenty of people have seen through the vaccine even after taking it at this point so it's like there's going to be a law of diminishing returns for them like how are they going to get the second round of things into people do you see what i mean yeah we discussed that i mean one of the things that we heard about was there was a lot of um, anti-radiation medicine going around europe and so you know you could you could there could be a different kind of scare that would medicalize people because there was a guy over here that was doing a lot of research on it, a doctor, and he was outspoken during the COVID pandemic. And he said, he basically did a lot of freedom of information requests and he found out that these tablets were actually already produced, but then were going back to the factory and it was the same factory where the vaccines were coming from, then coming back out of the factory and being sent across Europe. So that pricked my ears up because it was like, well, you know, What's going on there? Why are you sending a, an already formed product? That's a very simple product. You know, these um, iodine tablets, essentially. Why were they going back to a factory and then coming back out again? Now, I don't know what it is, but I, I think they'll find a way. I do think they'll be able to convince a lot of people to remedicate, uh, take more medicines or pharmaceuticals along the way. I mean, there will be a diminishing return in people like us. And I guess people like us never took anything to begin with, most of us, but there will be another set above us that were like, well, we saw what happened. We're not going to take any more. But for the masses in general, I mean, I think they'll still take it. And and their problem will then be people like us who never took anything. That'll be what they're focused on. How do we deal with those people? Because those people are like, you know, we basically can prove that you cannot, can continue without the medicine. So that'll be the problem. I got I got it slightly because I think I think there's like where can you imagine where Venn diagrams uh, the parts of a Venn diagram meet as the most turbulent and it's like reset as we go over from this previous stage of humanity to this transhumanist stage everything is going to go very quickly all of a sudden and it's going to be loads of things that happen and I think they know they're entering into that stage this is the first stage of something where when the rest of it happens it'll be happening too quick around us now. Now, if their plan, their, their, their Georgia Guidestone plan of reducing it to what, like 500 million works, and say there was 250 million of them left and 250 million of us left, that would be as convenient for them because they have all the resources and all the means to, um, to live a better lifestyle than we have, where we'll be like, oh, well, we'll just go back to the plantation and farm because that's what most people will do. So they'll still 
still be in control to some sort of extent but they won't have to uh, worry about us because by that time automation and robots will be uh, so good that they'll push us out of the good land and they'll keep the good land for themselves and that's kind of much more like a, a, a sort of stark future if this goes really progressively worse really quickly if they suddenly start releasing a load of different bioweapons I mean they release one it might have been more who knows the different strains might have been released at different times but they've released something and it's happened before again and again and again throughout history um, and they're at a point of an agenda that they really want to make uh, people change their biological makeup and as soon as they put one of these things in us as soon as they release it we all go oh god we better get an, an, an injection or whatever they say to us that impetus will keep remaining over and over with the majority of the population and if it, it doesn't they can boost up the amount that anything can kill somebody um, and, and then you just see you see people jumping on board you know people in our camp will be like okay no that's enough alright then I will definitely get it this time and who knows by that time maybe their vaccines will help a little bit in some way but they'll also do other things and you know be testing other things and have batches for different areas and different people and by that point you've got the, the, the uh, sustainable development goals and it's good not to go 20 miles outside your area and everybody stays in their little boxes and you own nothing and you're happy and all of this sort of stuff so they can control and look at how everything is working and how their whole you know they could give batch, different batches of different chemicals to everybody and who would know uh, eventually we're approaching a point where this thing's going to roll out of control it's not going to go at this pace forever it, this is an agenda they've got somewhere they want to go and they go, it's going to go really fast and I think we're like this is why the 2030 thing is so important to them is because they believe that it, within this time now from this moment for the next eight years things are going to increase at a speed that means that it's takeoff for their agenda so that means that there's going to be a lot more of this sort of stuff however it forms whether it's pandemics and illnesses or something else it'll be all to get us to put things in ourselves of course do you, do you ever wonder if uh, your specifically your work ever crosses Klaus Schwab's desk yeah yeah i'd say so i say i'd say he would have um read at least something of what has been done it's it's quite surprising like you know i i know that nicole youngkerman's some big thing she goes around doing a load of stuff but she also gets a solicitor to wipe me off the face of the internet so so uh, i mean she's obviously looked at the words written down and i i they are humans they are humans if i they're not going to read everything but if something really important about their background that shows them for uh, uh like shows a lie comes up then they've got to know it and it's PR marketing team have got to tell them so they know not to say something out of place or something that can then be come up in a question so they'll know all of the things that are out about them but uh, these guys are just human beings and if something uh, important to us comes up we go and look at it because we're human beings and we got to see what's going on. And these guys, I, I think, well, I think they're just human beings. You could all argue with that if you want. Monica, you spoke to David Icke recently. He'd probably say they weren't oh. human beings. <laughs> As anticipated, I knew that he would just 
do his thing. So the first 30 minutes, he just did his thing. And it's that thing. It's uh, the world is a simulation, which I can understand even that being beyond metaphor in that isn't the binary system on and off and isn't the nervous system just on and off fire, not fire. I mean, it's almost, you could think of it as by definition, that's what, that's what it is. It's just, uh, so uh, he did tell his like story of the trap. And then I asked him a few questions. One thing that I'm really eager to see is he's doing a documentary called Albion heart of the world. And I am curious to know, I'm sure the research is good. Why, England, tiny England seems to be the world hegemon still, whether above board or behind the scenes. Mm. No, what you grumble all the time. What's what are you grumbling at? Mm. That's not true. No, I, I, I'm Welsh. So the, the idea that England is the heart of the world is is despicable to me. It's like, See? no. And these guys, they think they're English, but ah, they're not really. No, the English are actually French and the northern Englanders like these boys and, and people more up north and just on the on, on the skirtings of the Watling Street. They're not quite English per se. No, they're all from other tribes. So I, I don't quite believe in it, but I do believe that <coughs> um, London, a London centric crowd has been ruling the world for quite a while. Yeah. They've been ruling it partially with the the. I mean, they they they're clever boys. They're clever boys. They've done some really clever stuff, um, and they've managed. They they and they're not really English. The ruling class are, yeah. are Germans, you know, yes. uh, the majority of them. So it's like it, it's it's weird when people say England. It's like. For me, I've done a lot of research over what England is, and England is being made up by the Tudors, like Wales was made up by the Tudors. Uh, it's just at that time, the annexation of Wales, England is England and Wales is Wales, and now that truth is forever shall be that way. I don't, I don't agree with that. I think there's loads of diversity in England, but I think that, it, yeah, it, it's North French. The North French is just the North French who inhabit South, Southern, uh, East England, they're the problem. They're the issue. <laughs> well, now I have less hope for that documentary being like awesome popcorn eating, Christmas Eve watching. But yeah, who knows? Like it was an interesting conversation. And, you know, just when you get people really used to giving their, their spiel, like there isn't a lot of room for, come on, shape shifting lizard people, defend yourself. You know, like that's not happening. <laughs> but it was fun. He's very interesting, though, in general. Like, I'd, He's I'd good. He's probably good. put him on the Mount Rushmore of, you know, like, conspiracy. Definitely. You know, like, Johnny's not convinced, I don't think. But. No, no, no. I, I, I'm, in, I'm intrigued. I mean, I'm, I'm intrigued by it all. I've also, I've met Gareth and Jamie. They've come over to my house once. Wow. Um, we, we, we had, uh, they, they stopped by uh, to, to see me and Whitney, and it was just wonderful. I go on um, uh, Iconic TV on, on a fair few occasions, and I don't know, I, I, I think there's like, I, I think it's all very difficult. I, Ike is one of the most important people within conspiracy history in one of the most important people and he has a fundamental right to be heard and he has been censored more than most people and i think that 99.99 percent of what he says is spot on and is this point not point one percent that i don't know but that's the same i am with most things but the essence of what he says is about the beauty of humanity and the fact that that's being taken away by this other 
other sort of like creature that lies within humanity itself you know I, I think it's something that's innate within some humans and not within others and it's like a balance within each person this like you know the dark and light side see we we, we all know the, uh, the, the 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 what what balances us i i think we all describe it in different ways so i meet lots of religious people in chile the any of the expat communities any of the people from america and stuff they're nearly all libertarians and they're nearly all christians you know they're, they're really strong and devout christians and they, they're escaping this horrible uh devil-like world out there and they're very nice but i find i have a lot in common with them nowadays um because all of it is really really visible now it's about good and evil and uh, david ike he's on the good side of history he's not on the evil side of history so i, I you know um his family are just wonderful uh they're really nice guys and i think they're, they're like you know they're targeted for a reason they targeted for a reason is because he's one hell of a powerful speaker he's got uh he's got a a a soul that captures people's imagination and their conscious thought as it happens uh, when he speaks people are listening to him and they want to hear more and that's a really important thing that not many people have and he's a really important human being so i i do I do have lots positive to say about him. I always say that the two things that will get you killed is if you have firsthand insider knowledge. And the other thing is if you are charismatic, mm-hmm. you're uniquely yeah. charismatic charisma. And as, as, as like JFK or Robert F Kennedy sort of charisma is what they're, they're, you know, is dangerous as hell. That's the type uh, Martin Luther King charisma, uh, Malcolm yeah, X charisma. Yeah. 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 All of these, 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 these people, when they are able to make an impact on people and explain really simple things in just a couple of lines, they've gone pretty quickly. It is, it's dangerous to be concise and from a big political family. Yeah, it was very interesting what you said there about the, the light and the dark. I think that was a, a the main theme of that uh, documentary you appeared on, The, the Great Reset. Mm-hmm. That was really interesting. Uh, that pretty much summarized everything that's going on. Yeah, it was a really weird, strange one because the guys who were really religious guys um and and they got like the people that we worked with who came and interviewed us and interviewed all of the different people and filmed the whole thing and put it all together they got pushed off the production right at the end they made this whole thing and then the, the guy at the top of this news channel just said everybody off that's it i'm taking you to court i'm taking all of the rights and all of that stuff i want the glory um but it really did summarize it really well and wasn't preachy which is something you'd expect from something that was made by religious people um you know before an interview when someone says do you mind if we pray <laughs> it's oh just like mm-hmm. i know i know i'm not too not too keen on it most of the time but i will accept it as a kindness towards yeah, others oh yeah you gotta respect you gotta respect people mm-hmm. as long as they're in good faith yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it, it, these guys were very nice guys. Um, they, they, one of them is a very spicy fellow who's made some other movies that are a bit like, mm, I'm not sure about that. Uh, Something in the Water, I think, was one of them that he made. Um, there's been a couple of conspiracy ones uh, they made alongside Stu Peters, which have been a little bit like, um, they did to die suddenly as well. 
um, uh, documentary. Same guys. Oh, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Very interesting guys. Very good. I mean, the uh, the, the one, uh, Matthew Scow, is one of the nicest guys I think I've ever met. So, you know, it's like, I'm re- really, I, for me, it was the first time involved in a project like that where someone comes and says, we want to interview you. And we were just in between going to Britain during COVID. So we had to go via Mexico or we would have had to stay in a quarantine hotel for 10 days with a five-year-old that's that would be insane so we were just like no we, we, we'll uh we'll, we'll go to Cancun instead which was a journey oh god an adventure in <laughs> itself but yeah man we've uh we've somehow managed to not make this uh Sad, drunk, dystopian talk. We all, seem to still, we all seem to still have smiles on our faces, which is actually quite incredible given the subject matter. Um, mm. But then I suppose it is Christmas, so that's nice, isn't it? Um, how are you everyone time? In this, uh, everyone in this chat has probably been so saturated in this subject matter the last two years that it's lost all potency for us. Best yes. way to write. Best and I've got the uh, anti-class flowing, but I did just hear my special son come home, and I, I fear what he's doing in the kitchen right now, so I think I do have to. Yeah, I may have to leave very soon yeah. because uh, I, I the, the kid just came in and went, hello. And yeah, it's going to get closer and closer. I do expect that any moment to be invaded yeah, yeah. in my little tiny corner of the world here. Oh, that's cool. I mean, we've gone, we've gone two hours, so we should probably... Uh call it a day so i mean thank you uh to the audience who's joined us live to watch us drink bugs although it was only me that drank the bugs in the end i genuinely thought more of you would bring bugs i don't know <laughs> but, uh, thanks to all of you you've all uh you've all obviously helped me personally improve this show with suggestions and whatnot and, and keeping me going do you all want to plug your shows before we sign off plug what you're doing what goes sure i'll do you my go thing. first yeah Reva? i'll go <laughs> Uh, so my website's monicasdeepdives.com and I have a show, Deep Dives with Monica Perez, which you can find on your favorite podcasting platform where I talk to guys like this, either swap casts or dive masters who know something that I don't know about something interesting to the truth and liberty communities. And I also do once or twice a week, I'll just take some, some headline and figure out what's really going on. I think my, I just did two on the FTX scandal. I have a totally different take on that. And I think my next one's going to be like, what is going on with homelessness and housing? And, you know, so I just try to get a deep dive on, um, you know, the story behind the news. And I'm also on rockfin.com slash propaganda report, which was my last show. Weren't you just on with Sam Tripoli? Was that on his? Yes, uh, that was yesterday. I think that they released that today. Yeah, he also, I'm sure that was on rockman.com slash Sam Tripoli. And we were supposed to talk about FTX, but he wanted to talk about like, you know, the meaning of life as he does. So there you go. You get a little, <laughs> little something, a little something you don't normally get from me, but it was always hilarious, but not like this because he doesn't drink. So you gotta, you gotta be on your game. Yeah, you can't let yourself go like you can on here. <laughs> Mike, what have you got planned? Yeah, so um, I'm host of the Parallel Systems broadcast. At the minute, it's a YouTube channel, but it will be a podcast in the new year because YouTube keep tanking my channel with every new video that I make. I get held back because of the subject matter. So, yeah, and what we talk about over there is about protecting ourselves from the incoming financial and probably societal collapse as well. So I'm somebody, I'm the kind of person who 
uh, went off grid, basically grows our own food, grow, raise animals, and uh, yeah, went back to living the old ways. So I help people out with that too. People who want to exit the mainstream and start to build this decentralized life. So that's what we talk about too. I also talk a lot about um, psychological health and keeping yourself resilient throughout all of this. I used to work in counseling and therapy. So every week we do a live stream all about the prepared mindset, so making sure that we're tough enough and building those personal qualities to get through what's coming. So that's me. Yeah, your, your shows are always very interesting. Like I try and catch them as often as possible. Um, Johnny, please tell me you're writing something about Jeremy Vine. Yeah, <laughs> no, amazing. I tell you, I'm going to be talking to to Mike soon enough. I need to, I need a hell of a load of advice on homesteading and creating just that sort of sustainable living way. No, Jeremy Vine did uh, DM me uh, uh, trying to find out about Anna Breeze, who doesn't like me at all. Uh, she's from South Wales, and she 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 does not like me at all. Uh, and she he, he was he was asking uh, about her. What's her what's and this is one of the people did he not even look at my timeline did he not even care to see who he's speaking to because I just like he still uh, he still hasn't had his message request accepted he's still in my spam folder down there and I, wa I was going to reply with some sort of hateful thing and I was just like nah ignore him like he's a piece of dirt because he really is a piece of dirt man he really is it's really weird now um, I, I've you know, I'm I I'm on JohnnyVedmore.com, FungiMonkey.com. I'm writing for Unlimited Hangout. I've got seven articles, roughly, uh, already like basically written up, ready to go. Uh, just going through the draft stages now. Some of it goes back in time and looks through history. The next one's kind of the next part of the Schwab article. Um, one thing I'm enjoying doing at the moment is the news hounds. I'm I'm a news hound, so I go back in to the newspaper archives and I look on a certain matter like uh, Klaus Schwab or Elon Musk and I go back early and I, I have a little look through uh, my, my most recent news hound got kicked off YouTube within about half an hour it's called the anti-vaccinators I go back as far as 1898 to find anti-vaccine propaganda in the newspaper and the second one was fantastic it was really beautiful but I find, I'm, I find it really interesting I, I take people on a, um, a dive through the time and 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 propaganda and and see what the similarities are uh, and i'm just hoping to i'm i'm hoping to tell loads of really unique interesting stories that lead to people being able to be tooled up with the information to battle the questions so once upon a time they couldn't say who Klaus Schwab was now they can say where he come from they can say who his father was they can say who his grandfather was and they know all of the things he's done throughout I want to give people those sort of tools with sources attached so uh, I, you know it's really important that, that I, I, I'm on Rockfin as well that's a place where you really don't get banned very easily um, uh, if you go over to YouTube in some countries just search my name and I just don't come up. Just none of my videos come up. I was really embarrassing with a taxi driver in Chile. I was like, he was like, oh, can I listen to your, some of your music? I was like, yeah, type me in. And then it was like, I didn't exist on, on YouTube in Chile. It was a very sad affair. Um, so people uh, go to my site if you want to see something, uh, if you want to find all the work. Uh, thanks for having me, man. It's been fun. It's been nice to meet all you guys too. 
Now, thank you all for joining me. Um, if you've enjoyed my podcast so far, please follow the social medias, uh, the Buy Me A Coffee link, donate a little bit to help me buy some books or keep the internet on. I have a couple of fun guests lined up for January talking about climate change and depopulation, you know, all the usual cheery stuff that we, we tend to cover. Uh, please seek out everybody on here's work, uh, their channels and shows. It's all excellent stuff. They're all very good people as well. They're, the kind of people that we will need to stop us slipping into the future that we're all concerned about. So with that in mind, Merry Christmas, everyone, and thanks for joining The Dark Side. Ooh. And that is us off the air.